If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tura Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. The comedies that shaped us. Aw, oh, $20. I wanted a peanut. $20 can buy many peanuts. Explain how. Money can be exchanged for goods and services. Woohoo! The comedies that moved us. 20 years. That's a long time, Dave. Yeah? Well, it's two decades. I wouldn't go that far. When you see the comedies that made us laugh and made us cry. Why am I so sad? Am I doing the wrong thing? Absolutely not. It's just that sometimes goodbyes are a bitch. <laughs> James Helpert. You started with this company? As a fine young man. You know what I think we should do? I think we should just say the goodbyes for tomorrow. At lunch. Oh. Okay. And then tomorrow, I can tell you <clears throat> what a great boss you turned out to be. These are Desert Island comedies. I'm carving something on this bullet, sir. What are you carving? I'm carving Baldrick, sir. <laughs> Why? It's a cunning plan, actually. Of course it is. You see, you know they say that somewhere there's a bullet with your name on it. <laughs> Well, I thought if I owned the bullet with my name on it, I'd never get hit by it. Because I won't ever shoot myself. Oh, shame. From the team at thecustardtv.com. So we've done our Desert Island comedies. That's um, myself, editor of the website, thecustardtv.com. I'm Luke. Sophie did hers first. She's back again. Hello. Hello. And it's Matt's turn to shine. Matt's here in the north to discuss his favourite ten shows that uh, shaped his view on comedy. Welcome back, Matt. Hello. How is your? How is you? How have you been coping with the heat? Because your house is or your place is notoriously cold normally. Yeah, it does. It stay cold in this sort of weather. It normally does. It is a little bit stuffy today, but not like. Really, what like I've been at my mum's for the last four or five weeks, and um, did she know you were there? Yes, <laughs> um, and it is really, really warm there. You can feel the heat there. Whereas here, I ha- it is a little bit cooler, you know, but it's okay. it's still slightly stuffy, and I am having to have the windows open, which is annoying because okay. I'm on the main road. Okay, 
And so if you're in a flat and it's just um, it's just unbearable, I would think, in this sort of weather. Yeah, it's good in the winter because we never have to have our heating on because we get all the heat from the other flats. But then, yeah, in the summer, as soon as there's any heat, we have to have all the doors open, all the windows. We've got a fan on in the living room. It's very hot. Have you noticed it being like the building being busier with everyone working from home? Or have you not really noticed a difference? Not really, to be honest. We don't really tend to see people on the stairs that often. I think people are sort of um, avoiding each other on the stairs a little bit as well, still trying to keep a bit of a distance. Yeah. See, I'm on the ground floor, so that helps, because I don't have to use the stairs. How many people are above you? (laughs) Above me? Yeah. Um, Well, it's a a three-storey Victorian house that was converted into six flats, so technically... Four, I suppose. Okay. Okay. Do you know any of your neighbours? Not really. I've got the two most unsociable people, but I'm glad we've come together on a podcast. <laughs> so it's Matt's list this week. I'll hand it over to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I, I mean, on this list, what I've tried to do is go for a little bit of variety. I think I talked about this when we did our drama list, didn't I? That, um. I wanted to do something that was a bit varied. Um, I've also tried to think about shows that have been consistent. I know we talked about last week Friends, didn't we, and how that sort of lost its, its mm. gas in the last few few seasons. Um, this list has changed very much in the last few weeks. Um, it's It's not been keeping me up at night, but I've just been like, oh, does that need to be in there? Does that need to stay in there? Something that I have actually lost out of the list, um, which we talked about uh, on Sophie's list, was Frasier. Uh, I think looking Ooh. back looking back on it and having that discussion, I do think it loses something in the latter seasons, even though the box set mm-hmm. is staring at me right now <laughs> as, <laughs> I, as I sit in my living room. How um, can you not pick me? I'm looking right at yeah, you. Um, there are a few box sets staring at me that I haven't picked as well, but... Um, so, yeah, so the first one I've gone for is a show, I th- think it was the first comedy that I was probably, prob- properly obsessed with. Um, I was trying actually to pinpoint when the first time I would have seen it was, because it was a show that actually started the year I was born. So obviously I didn't watch it at the time, but it was, it's, 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 a, sh- yeah, it's a show <laughs> that... Um, well, 83, Luke, we were born in the same year. I know, I know. I was doing comedy on it. <laughs> um, it's, well, it's not working so far. The um, But it's a show that was often repeated, and I think a good thing about growing up, certainly when we did, and I know you, Luke, haven't or- always lived in this country, so I don't know if you have the same exposure, but I think in the 90s, we got a lot of comedy, British comedy, repeated on BBC One, BBC yeah. Two, and there was also... Uh, Channel 4 used to show a lot of US sitcoms as well before Hollyoaks became the behemoth it was and and before they bought The Simpsons. Uh, But this one, I've been doing some research on the genome and I sort of pinpointed it to, I think, 1994 um, was when they repeated the second series of this and it was on on BBC Two. I think Friday nights when uh, Red Dwarf was showing as well and I think that's the show I definitely watched. Uh, and I won't keep you in suspense any longer. It's Blackadder is my first choice. Oh, 
God. This place sticks like a pair of armoured trousers after the Hundred Years' War. <laughs> well, Rick, have you been eating dung again? <laughs> My Lord, success! What? After literally an hour's ceaseless searching, I have succeeded in creating gold, pure gold. Are you sure? Yes, my lord. Behold. Percy, it's green. <laughs> That's right, my lord. Yes, Percy, I don't want to be pedantic or anything, but the colour of gold is gold. That's why it's called gold. What you have discovered, if it has a name, is some green. That I hold here in my mortal hand a nugget of purest green. Indeed, you do, Percy, except of course it's not really a nugget, is it? It's more of a splat. Well, yes, a splat today, but tomorrow, who knows or dares to dream? So we three alone in all the world can create the finest green at will. Just so. I'm not sure about counting in Baldwin, actually. Of course, you know what your great discovery means, don't you, Percy? Perhaps, my lord. That you, Percy, Lord Percy, are an utter book. I remember buying the fourth series, uh, Blackadder Goes Forth, on, on VHS from, like, a school uh, winter fair one year. That's a good school. You can get that from. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did have... Oddly, I had the first... Sec- First series, second series, and fourth series on VHS, but not the third. Third's one of my favourites. Um, but I did have that on cassette for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was able to listen old. to it. Yeah, I did have a lot of comedy on cassette, actually, oddly, which is which isn't always great when there's visual gags. But there you go. Yeah. I, I think what I like, and I have been watching quite a lot of these these sitcoms that are on my list in the last few weeks. As I say, chopping and changing some of them. I think what it is, firstly, I think the first series, I don't know if either of you ever watched it. It's, I tried it, yeah. I, can't, I can't get into the first It's series, very so. different. I think it was a different show. Uh, Rowan Atkinson was writing the first series with Richard Curtis. They wanted to do something that was completely different, so there was a lot of outside shots. You know, it was exteriors. It wasn't in front of an audience. And they didn't have the character dynamics quite right then. Uh, Blackadder was... A stupid character, really. Baldrick yeah, was... Yeah, Baldrick was the clever one, wasn't he? It's really weird watching it now. Was more intelligent. And I think it loses something not being in front of an audience a little bit, you know. It's... Did it have canned laughter? It did have canned laughter. Or a la- right. I'm not sure if it was a laughter, you know, a laughter track or... Yeah. It probably was. So it lost something and I think it costs quite a lot to make that yeah. first movie. So it was touch and go that they were going to do a second one, but Richard Curtis... And Ben Elton were talking about doing a different sitcom, but in the end, Ben Elton came to write the second series of Blackadder, which really is the second, third and fourth series that I think people remember. The second series, I think, benefits from having Miranda Richardson as the Queen, and you've got Stephen Fry in there as Melchit, and I I think the the rhythm of the dialogue, the, the chemistry between the characters works a lot more in that series i think the third series i'm not as fond of it i don't know if that's because i haven't watched it as many times as two and four 
I mean, Luke, what's, you, you said it's one of your favourites. Is it yeah, the, is it the got... dictionary episode? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> episode. That's a great episode where they have to rewrite the dictionary. How goes it, Blackadder? Not all that well, sir. Well, let's have a look. Medium-sized insectivore with protruding nasal implement. Doesn't sound much like a bee to me. It's an art bar. Can't you see that, Your Highness? It's a bloody art bar. Yeah. Still on aardvark, are we? Yes, I'm afraid we are. And if I ever meet an aardvark, I'm going to step on its damn protruding nasal implement until it couldn't suck up an insect if its life depended on it. You've stuck, have you? I'm sorry, sir. It's five hours later and I've got every word in the English language except A and aardvark still to do. And I'm not very happy with my definition of either of them. Well, don't panic, Blackadder, because I have some rather good news. Oh, what? Well, we didn't take no for an answer and have, in fact, been working all night. I've done B. Really? And how have you got on? Well, I had a bit of trouble with belching, but I think I got it sorted out in the end. Uh, oh, no! There I go again! <laughs> you've, been, you've been working on that joke for some time, haven't you? Well, yes, I have, as a matter of fact, yes. Since you started. In fact. Basically. So, in fact, you haven't done any work at all? Not as such, no. <laughs> Great. Baldrick, what have you done? I've done C and D. Right, let's have it then. Right. Big blue wobbly thing that mermaids live in. <laughs> C. misunderstanding still <laughs> my hopes weren't high no, and what about D I'm quite pleased with dog yes and your definition of dog is not a cat the thing with that third series having watched bits of all the series this week I think it doesn't have the same sense of peril as the no, rest that's of them because in two he's constantly worried about having his head chopped off by the mm -hmm. Queen in the fourth series obviously when they're in the war He's worried about having to go over the top and trying to, each week, try and get out of it. But, again, I think it benefits in 2 and 4 having that deeper ensemble. Mm. In, in 3, you've just got Baldrick Blackadder and, and Hugh Laurie as, as Prince George. But what I like as well is is the attention to, the, in, to detail with the opening closing sequences that they had. I think they're very memorable, especially the... The, the second series when they've got the, the minstrel at the end mm. singing about what's happened in the episode and Blackadder mm. trying to beat up the minstrel in various ways in, in, in each one and and things I hadn't even noticed like the end the end sequence of the fourth series is done like the, the credits of the crew is done like an old movie with just the first initial and the surname and and like an annotated version of what they did on the show so it's just one that sort of sticks with me when i've you know certain lines in there when i watched it again resonated with me and it's just something that reminds me of my childhood and i think the thing that sort of puts a cap on it in terms of the time that it was in was watching the the reunion uh, show, uh movie that they did for the the dome at the millennium dome yeah, when i was yeah. Um, I don't know if either of you went to the Millennium Dome, but no. it was it was a horrible day. Apart from that Blackadder show, it just yeah. I, I still have PTSD to this day. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, are you both fans of Blackadder? I don't know if it's something that 
Yeah, when I made my initial list that was about 20 shows, I think Blackadder was the only sort of pre-90s sitcom that I had on there. Um, and yeah, I ended up getting rid of it, but I did, like you, I used to have all the videos, I think apart from series four, weirdly, I'm not sure why. Um, and what, it's weird, what, maybe, what, maybe because it was a bit newer. Like It's weird because when you're a child, you don't really sense the quality difference as much. Because I remember quite liking series one when I was a child, but then obviously when I've watched it as an adult, it's clearly strange in comparison to the others and definitely mm. not as funny. But yeah, two, three and four are pretty perfect i think i can't think of another show in recent memory that has started off as one thing and ended up as something else mm. i'm trying to think of and i can't think i don't think if this was done today i can't think of another show that started off well it probably would have been cancelled wouldn't it because there's yeah, so much competition about, nowadays Sometimes then, yeah. American shows change quite a bit. Like when we were talking about Parks and Recreation, that was quite different in its first season. But I think Americans are a bit more lenient where they kind mm. of let the writers experiment a bit at the beginning because they kind of trust them. Whereas in the UK, if you do the first episode of a comedy show and people don't like it, it's like, oh, well, that's it. Then it's cancelled. Especially in the time we've been doing this podcast, we've seen that a lot. I think mm. in the early... Well, no, actually, it wasn't the early 80s, was it, when it was on originally? Sort of mid-80s. It's 83 to 89, so right. throughout the 80s. Yeah, so they, they probably the talent behind it kept them. Mm. You know, Rowan Atkinson was already a name at that stage on the comedy not, circuit. They not the 9 just... o'clock news. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. and, and you had got the, you know, co- comedians of the time, I suppose, Rowan Atkinson... Hugh and Laurie, Rick Mayall obviously pops up from time to time as Flash, yeah. or Adrian Edmondson. So there, there's Robbie Coltrane as well, who we mentioned. There are names there that um, were... Tim relevant. McInerney like, plays a good role yeah. as well. And yeah. He doesn't get really mentioned. I think, that. yeah. I think uh, in Forrest, but seeing him as Darling, I think, is, is really... You know, every time someone says Darling and... Yeah. You get the laugh. God, it's a spankingly beautiful world. And tonight's my night. I know exactly what I'll say to her. Darling. Yes, sir? <laughs> um, I don't know, sir. Well, don't butt in. <laughs> I want to make you happy, darling. Well, that's very kind of you, sir. Will you kindly stop interrupting? If you don't listen, how can you tell me what you think? I want to make you happy, darling. I want to build a nest for your ten tiny toes. I want to cover every inch of your gorgeous body in pepper and then sneeze all over you. Really, sir? I must protest. What is the matter with you, darling? Well, it's just all so sudden, sir. I mean, the nest bit's fine, but the pepper business is definitely out. How dare you tell me how I may or may not treat my beloved Georgina? Georgina? Yes! I'm working out what I want to say to her this evening. Oh, yes. Of course. Of course. <laughs> All right. Yes, sir. Listening, sir. Honestly, darling, you really are the most graceless, dim-witted pumpkin I ever met. <laughs> I don't think you should say that to us. I have to admit that when I first saw the fourth series, I was younger, and I the poignancy of those final moments, oh, although yes, I was aware of the, the sort of change in tone, I think it was lost on me until years later when it, you know you realise what they're about to face and how important it is that a comedy show could 
could transport you back and give you those feelings of dread and panic for the characters. I thought it was really well done and, and quite brave, actually, to do it because it, it is out and out probably a silly show, really. The comedy's not sophisticated. Well, but... it is in certain bits, I think. I think there is <laughs> the combination there. There are some quite witty lines with Blackadder, but then there are, like, Baldrick has that silliness. Uh, Miranda Richardson as Queenie has all those, you know, she is very childlike. Um, Miranda Richardson described her as someone who got too much too soon, and she did base it on someone who she went to school with her performance there. So there are childish elements in there, but there are some quite... And certainly the themes in in Blackadder Goes Forth, where it's basically him not trying to get killed throughout most of it. Yeah. Um, it's quite dark. Yeah, so there is that dark element to it, but there is a lot of silliness with with Baldrick especially, and I think Tony Robinson as well is is fantastic. And I think actually in Blackadder Goes Forth, the Baldrick character is very poignant because he's the character who doesn't really understand about the war at all or why he's there or why he's ultimately going to be killed. And I think that's that again. Yeah, and, you... and Hugh Laurie's character is also being really kind of optimistic, isn't he, throughout the whole series? Like, oh, being in the army's a lark, isn't it? And then yeah. that's quite heartbreaking in the final episode where he does actually realise that he doesn't want to die. Sir? Yes, Lieutenant? I'm scared, sir. I'm scared too, sir. I mean, I'm the last of the tiddly-winking leapfroggers from the golden summer of 1914. I don't want to die. Really? Not over keen on dying at all, sir. How are you feeling, darling? <laughs> um, not all that good, Blackadder. Rather hoped I'd get through the whole show. Go back to work at Pratt and Sons. <laughs> Keep wicked for the Croydon gentleman. Married Doris. Made a note in my diary on the way here. Simply says, bugger. I have a plan, sir. Really, Baldrick? A cunning and subtle one? Yes, sir. As cunning as a fox who's just been appointed Professor of Cunning at Oxford University? <laughs> yes, sir. On the signal, company will advance! Well, I'm afraid it'll have to wait. Whatever it was, I'm sure it was better than my plan to get out of this by pretending to be mad. I mean, who would have noticed another madman around here? Good luck, everyone. We're going to have a cry. We're going to have a cry. Well, let me. I'll try and cheer you up then again with my with my second choice. Um, so, I, as I said, like growing up. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy, from family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prince Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love 
and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. In the 90s, I think we were quite spoiled in terms of the new comedy we were getting as well. Um, I was a, a lot into the, into sketch shows, I think, during that time growing up. Uh, we had The Fast Show, we had Harry Enfield, we had Goodness Gracious Me, uh, things like that, as well as I think panel shows were getting quite big as well at the time. Have I got news for you? Started in 90. There was things like Nevermind the Buzzcocks, They Think It's All Over, and I suppose Shooting Stars was a bit of a, a parody of that. The first sitcom I've put on here that I watched when it went out is Father Ted, is my second choice. Bloody hell. Good news, Ted. No. <laughs> very, very bad news. It's the Holy Stone of Clonrickert. They're going to upgrade it to a Class 2 relic. Great! No, it's not great. It means they'll be sending over a few bishops to do a ceremony. And you know what they're like. We'll have to be on our best behaviour. I thought there was something up at the Holy Stone, all right. Wasn't someone cured there? No, someone was lured there. <laughs> Paddy Short. And then those fellas started to beat him with the sticks. Oh, that was it, yeah. The Holy Stone. It must be even holier than we thought. Perhaps it's something to do with that fella from England last year. He touched it and he grew a beard. Wow, that's weird. That'd be nearly enough to upgrade it to a class one. Oh, class one would be very rare, Dougal. That would be bringing people back to life. Time travel, cloning dinosaurs. <laughs> very rare. But there must be millions of relics all over the world. How do they know which ones to do? Well, there's all these things they have to think about. The history of the relic, how many miracles can be attributed to it. All sorts of considerations go into a decision like that. What about the Holy Stone of Conrickard? Whatever. Uh, interesting, isn't it? Because I toyed with this, and the creators become so problematic over the well, last few it's years. It's not creators, let's say, because it's co-created. It's, co it's Arthur Matthews as well. But as I Graham. kind of felt like he tainted my view of it a little bit, and it's a shame because it was like that shows in a time capsule, and it's so innocent and. But it we did matter. say, didn't we, that if you had to take off everything that's problematic, you wouldn't yeah. be left with a lot, le a, a lot left. Um, and I think it's a shame because, you know, Arthur Matthews is, is the other creator who almost gets forgotten, I think, because his output afterwards isn't as prolific, um, with, the, with the exception of Toast of London, which he co-created mm. with, with Matt Berry. And, and I actually was in his presence for the screening, screening, I think it was the final series of that. And he's a lot more chilled out, as you would imagine. And I think the more surreal elements of Father Ted would, I think, come from Arthur Matthews. If you look at the comedy in Toast and then you go back to Father Ted, mm. you can sort of link bits of that to him, I think. They're almost like cartoon characters. Mm. Ted Dougal, um, you know, everyone in that world is almost cartoon-like. 
Yeah, there's that's so there's I I think have it as it, again having watched some of this back. I think what it is I, watching it when I was it would I think I would have been twelve when it started in ninety five. 11 or 12. I think there's an innocence to Father Ted. A, yes, there is. And it's, my my friend Melissa has actually been watching some of this with her son who is 9 or 10. And I think it's one where you get you find it funny and there's different bits you find funny as you get older. It's a bit like mm-hmm. the Simpsons in that in that regard as well. Um I, I I think it's just one of those again there's almost like with Blackadder there's that sense of hopelessness with it that they're trapped on this island like Ted knows that he he's better than than the island but he's almost he can't better there. himself can he really well every time he tries you know he, he he's obviously got this love of money we have the you know the money was just resting in my account line <laughs> that's throughout. Uh, and and it's the recurring gags in this you, you like um father Larry Duff on his mobile phone uh, keeps getting killed over and over again. What's the problem again? The rabbits! Rabbits, yes. Yes, Ted, yes, yes. Sorry about that. I know exactly what to do. Why don't we give them to Father Larry Duff? You're right. He's always gone on about how we'd love to have a few rabbits running around the place. I used to think it was just a mad thing to say. Hello, Larry. Hello, Ted. How is it hanging? Um, it's, it's hanging fine, Larry. Uh, listen, I have a bit of a problem here. Uh, you remember you were looking for a few rabbits around the place? Oh, I do, Ted. That's one of my all-time fantasies. I'd love to have a few hundred rabbits running all over the place. <laughs> well, today's your lucky day. We've got loads of the things. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Ted. I won't be able to take them. Why not, Larry? I sort of gave up on the rabbits idea. Well, it just seemed too far-fetched. So I got 12 Rottweilers instead. <laughs> I'd love to take the rabbits, only I'd be afraid the Rottweilers might uh, upset them, you know. Yes, Larry, I, I understand. Bye. Ah, bye, Ted. <laughs> oh, you're a bad dog. Don't you look at me like that. You're a very bad dog. <laughs> and, um... Bishop Brennan, who's a who's a fantastic comic creation. Uh, Graham Norton as Father Noel, the, yeah. the first sort of exposure to Graham Norton that a, a lot of us got. I I think this just uh, it just reminds me of of almost like a simpler time, and a simpler type of comedy. But the the gag ratio in this is brilliant, and and some of the things that you think now that's just bizarre like the, the thing with the rabbits infesting the house when, when Bishop yeah. Brennan's going to come and he's afraid of rabbits and there's the, the scene I watched uh, the other night where they get given the car for the raffle and then he tries to dink out the thing with the hammer and ends up completely ruining the car This the Speed 3 has always yeah. been a favourite of mine as well I love that episode where, and, it's, and it's actually one of the one of the shows where the Christmas special is just a great episode of yeah, the show as well. Yeah, I was well. going to say, that's one that I rewatch. It's not Christmas until you've seen, you know, there's a list of films, but also the Father Ted Christmas special. Where exactly are we now? Well, we're in the, um... Hindi. Oh, God! We're in lingerie. We're in lingerie. What's the problem there, Ted? Think about the two priests hanging around near ladies' secret things. It just doesn't look good. <laughs> Where is the exit? <laughs> oh, look, we're in bras. This way. Oh no, more underpants. I mean, why do they need so many kinds of underpants? Huh? 
I mean, what? Do they parade around in them looking in mirrors all the time? <laughs> Billy! Terry! Ted. Ted Tilly. How are you? Good to see you both. We got a bit lost in the store. That's why we're here. We got a bit lost. <laughs> I suppose that's why you're here as well. Lost? Uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's it. That's it, exactly. We lost. We lost. We're lost. Our, um... <laughs> I don't suppose you know the way out of here. It's uh, Ireland's biggest lingerie section, I understand. Really? Yeah, I read that somewhere. But, I think the best idea is for us to get out of here as quickly as possible. You know, four priests hanging around the um, frilly section. Yes, I see what you mean. Let's, let's try this way. <clears throat> Wait a second. We've been here. I remember these brass from the first time round. Oh, they all look the same to me. No, no, these ones have double padding and the black lace outline, along with the little cotton supports and the extra strength straps. If we pass by a bra with a middle arch support and single padding and the white lace outline, then I think we're on the right track. Someone's coming. Ted Grilly! God, are we glad to see you. What happened to you? We were looking for the toilets and we wandered in here by mistake. Get out! It's huge! It's Ireland. I guess lingerie section, I understand. Right, this is the situation. We have eight priests hanging around the lingerie section. With one or two of us, that'll be embarrassing. But eight, we're talking national scandal. What are we going to do? All the aisles look the same. Right, first thing, don't panic. We're in this thing, let's try and get out of it. Okay? Billy, I want you on point. Father Cleary, Father Deegan, you take up the back. Let's go and keep it quiet. I also do remember uh, when I heard about Dermot Morgan dying. I think it was just after they wrapped series three. It was the, uh, the week or so after. Mm -hmm. And, mm. Um, you know, so that means that they haven't been a... The, Graham Lennon and Arthur Matthews have both said that was always going to be it anyway. That was that last episode was going to be the last one we did. But obviously, with Dermot Morgan dying, they weren't tempted. They couldn't go back and do anymore, even if they had been tempted to do. And I think, it, it, I think a lot of the ones that I've chosen... Unlike, you know, some of the ones you mentioned last week, Luke, like Only Fools and Horses in the Royal Family, which had gone back with diminishing returns, mm. have gone back either because they can't because one of the one of the actors sadly died or just the creators have never wanted to go back. And I think that helps hold up, hold them up a little bit more that their legacies haven't been tarnished. And, you know, there are those classic episodes that everyone remembers, like uh, the Eurovision is another one as well. The My Lovely, My lovely Horse. to lose that sax solo the delicacy i think with creating all the characters that populate this world is really well done and and again it strikes me it's kind of another one that when we were watching it when we were a lot younger there's loads if you're anything like me you're booked and busy 
from family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tura Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. It's a bit we missed. And like now, bits of it are quite racy, you realize. And I don't think I even, I, I guess I wasn't a very bright child, but I didn't really pick up on the fact that, you know, they were priests and they were doing things that the church wouldn't agree with. It just sort of went over my head and you watch it now and you sort of realize how tongue-in-cheek and winking at the camera they are often. Yeah, yeah I've heard um, Ashling B talk about how Obviously, she's from Ireland and it didn't air over there because it would have been incredibly controversial. And she was over in the UK at one point as a teenager, saw it on the TV and was like absolutely scandalized. Like they're making fun of priests because that was so controversial in Ireland at the time. Like it never would have been allowed to air over there. So it was quite, as you said, quite sort of... um, racy like the things the fact that priests were drinking and fancying women and doing all that sort of thing well it's like for for the and father jack's character is complete when you watch it in context you know he's he's basically been put there because he's a you know a, a embarrassment for the yeah. for the church isn't he you know he's very much sexist and, and a drunk and there's obviously been incidents where he's gone after young girls before uh when you see his dreams and things like that and and i love how frank morgan the actor who plays him is like this classically trained shakespearean actor and they just put all this makeup on him and sat him in the corner and him to say four lines for most of the show Frank, Frank, ass girls. it's interesting that um like pauline mcglynn who played mrs doyle she has distanced herself from it so much, probably because she's forever being asked to be a Mrs. Doyle's character. And Ardell O'Hanlon, who is just perfect in that role, has never really done anything else that I rate. You know, he had a big run in My Hero in the BBC in the early noughties that I just thought was awful. And it's a shame because... Death in Paradise... He seems to be getting more back into stand-up comedy recently. Like, he was on Live at the Apollo, because that's how he started before Father Ted. You know, he was never really an actor. He was a stand-up, and I think he was quite big in sort of founding the stand-up comedy scene in Ireland. Like, he was one of the first people. So it's quite nice seeing him try to get back to that, and maybe we'll see him a bit more on, like, panel shows, potentially, and that might suit him a bit more. I hope so, because he's... He's so incredibly good in that and so warm and innocent and sweet. And everything he's done since, I keep willing it to be good. And it, He, like, it plays awkward, doesn't he? I think that's the 
the archetype that he's been given subsequently. Um, as you say, I think he went back to stand up after Father Ted, but they couldn't find a good role for him. And I think no. the the four. Yeah, I remember my hero. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the four leads all come from slightly different backgrounds because, as you know, Frank Kelly was this classically trained actor. Ardo Hanlon was a stand up. Uh, Dermot Morgan was almost like a satirist who was who burned all his bridges in Ireland was quite a controversial figure in Ireland, on Irish TV, apparently. Um, did they film it in London then somewhere, if it didn't air in Ireland? Or did, they filmed it in Ireland, didn't they? Because I wonder why an Irish audience would laugh at it in the studio, but then would find it so scandalous on the TV. It's well, strange, isn't it? Well, if it was made by Channel 4, I would guess that maybe they filmed it in the UK, but I'm, I haven't thought about it before. Certainly, be that the house is in Ireland. Yeah, the house. Is. So, so whether oh, they the exterior, the exterior stuff, is, yeah. is in Ireland, Maybe. and the and the sets are are in England, but certainly that house is now like a a tea room or something. You know, it's people go there because it's the house from Father Ted. But mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it is one that will stick with me and is you know rewatched. Uh, certainly, that Christmas special on it on a yearly basis. Mm. Mm-hmm. Classic. Okay, so I'm going on to my third one now, and I'm just going to do a little bit of context first on this one, because um, around sort of 2000, 2001, we got Sky for the first time. As you know, as you know, it's up north. It takes a while yes. uh, to, to get things here. Uh, and one of the go-to channels that I went, I watched a lot during that time was Paramount Comedy, which is now Comedy Central. Um, and it exposed me to a lot of like American studio comedies, uh, that some of which never aired over here. Like there was stuff that was current, so like Everybody Loves Raymond, I watched on there, um, and then stuff from the past that I hadn't seen. Uh, Married with Children was a favourite of mine. There was Mad About You, Who's the Boss, uh, Soap, Roseanne, things like that. And the one from that era, I wanted to put something from that era on this list because again, it's sort of nostalgic. I watched a lot of those shows. I've chosen Taxi. <laughs> Nardo. They told me to ask for Louis. Yes, ma'am. I'm Louis De Palma. Oh, hi. I hope there's no trouble. If there is, I'll be glad to help in any way I can. Oh, no, no. It's just that they told me I'd be starting work today as a driver. Oh, here's my hack line. You're a cab driver? Uh-huh. What do you mean busting my chops here? Make them believe you're a regular person. <laughs> Go wait over there. I'll call your name and number. Till then, keep your mouth shut. What's wrong? Don't they feed you in there? Hey, witty person, fill out this form. And I hope you fill it out better than you fill out your pants. See? We're all fun here. Now, you mustn't be too upset with Louie, miss. He's really a very nice guy. He'd give you the scales off his back. Well, I didn't have to worry too much about him. 
I'm only going to be working here part-time. Oh. Yeah, I have this other job oh. where I work... Yeah, yeah, I know. We're all part-time here. I'm part-time. I only work 60 hours a week. <laughs> no, really. I, I really work as a receptionist at an art gallery. Oh, yeah? No, I'm, I'm not really a taxi no, driver. No, no, I understand. You see that guy over there? Now, he's an actor. The guy on the phone, he's a prize fighter. This lady over here, she's a beautician. The man behind her, he's a writer. Me, I'm a cab driver. I'm the only cab driver in this place. Why is everyone here just a, a little angry? Hey, it's ringing. Oh, excuse me, miss. You're a very interesting person, but I'm not sure you're as interesting as a massage parlor in Bangkok. Well, don't be too sure till you know me better. Oh. No, 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 I'm kidding. I'm not serious. I'm all talk, really. Please, I'm, I'm all talk, really. Oh, wow. Back to the massage parlor. Taxi, I feel, sort of started, was the metamorphosis of the studio comedy, I think. Prior to that, it had been quite happy families, quite um, quaint. And I think what Taxi did was show this sense of almost like desperation, this sense of what was going on. So the, the premise was that it was set in a taxi cab company and you had most of the taxi drivers were doing the job to fund other things. So you had a character... Uh, who was a, a jobbing actor. You had a character, uh, Tony Danza's character was a aspiring boxer who wasn't very good. There was Elaine who worked in a art gallery during the day, but was using the job to help support her two children. Uh, the Judd Hershey's character was the only one of the main taxi drivers to begin with who was just a taxi driver, almost like the father figure. Um, and I think it's that that sense of we're here but we don't want to be here but we formed almost like a little family group that really worked there were scenes that went on I think longer than sitcom scenes would and there was a sense of it wasn't really gag heavy at points there was a lot of poignancy to a lot of the episodes what made it work as well were there, there alongside these normal straight characters there were some real interesting comic creations so for example you got Danny DeVito um, as Louis De Palma, who was the the dispatcher of of the cab company, who was almost the antagonistic figure riling up the the other taxi drivers, because he was the dispatcher, he was in this cage. So despite Danny DeVito's diminutive stature, he was always above them in the in the in the set, which helped with the character. And um, later on as well, they brought in Christopher Lloyd, who played this burnout um, ex hippie called Father Jim who spoke with a very sort of drooled voice, very believable that he'd lost a lot of his brain cells to LSD uh, in the prior decade. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Hey, uh, give me a little help on this one. You forgot your last name? <laughs> I've been busy. <laughs> well, what was your father's name? Uh, Ignatowski. <laughs> well, maybe that's your name, too. No, I think you're right. Eyes. No, don't put two. Oh, they mean color, don't they? Yep. What color are my eyes? Elaine, you want to take a stab at this one? Hmm. Well, you can rule out white. Come brown. Okie doke. W Oh, let's see. Uh, white. 
about, I don't know, about five, ten. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Okay. Okay. Wait. Wait. Uh, this is a very relative question. I mean, if I were in space, I'd be... If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prince Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. And what better way to get into the holiday spirit than with a Minky Couture blanket? Whether you're gathered around the tree with loved ones, roasting marshmallows by the fire, or just looking for a cozy way to stay warm on a chilly night, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Christmas festivities. With a wide range of festive designs and colors, you can find the perfect blanket to match your holiday decor or gift to your loved ones. So this Christmas, make your holiday even cozier with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket, just in time for the holiday. Happy Holidays from Minky Couture. Weightless. You are in space. <laughs> Jim, they mean Earth weight. Uh. This is the most reading I've done in years. <laughs> My brown eyes hurt. Here, here let, let me help you out, okay? Um, have you ever experienced loss of consciousness, hallucinations, dizzy spells, convulsive disorders, fainting, or periods of loss of memory? Well, hasn't everyone? But no. Um, mental illness or narcotic addiction? That's a tough choice. <laughs> That's it. You ready for the test? I thought this was a test. No, 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 this is the application. Oh, man. These are Matt's Desert Island comedies. Also has a, a theme tune like a lot of sitcoms do. It had a theme tune that almost set the scene a little bit. And, and any time I hear that theme tune, it does sort of take me back. To watching it originally soft, it's sort of yeah. soft jazz isn't yeah, it yeah yeah it's got a name to it and i can't remember it's it's a it's a late it's a female name and i can't remember the name to it off the top of my head but it sets the scene and and the opening sequence is simply a taxi driving down a road where while all the actors names hit, hit out at you I, th- I think the one thing that this is remembered for mainly is andy kaufman being in it and i do remember the bbc repeating this when um, Man on the Moon came out, Jim, the Jim Carrey, Andy Kaufman biopic. I mean, for me, I feel he's the one thing that detracts from it a little bit. He's very broad, plays Latka, the the mechanic, the, the European mechanic who has a different language to everyone else. And Andy Kaufman famously didn't like being in the series either. So there's that element to it. Later on, they let him do sort of other characters as well, like Latka lapsing into like this playboy character as well that allowed Andy Kaufman to do a little bit more but 
those were the broader elements that I did that didn't appeal to me as much as the as the character stuff. Uh, and there's some bits that stick with me. There's an episode where Tony finds out he can't box anymore, and he tries he loses his license and tries to buy another identity. There's an episode where Louis almost gets sacked for um, peeping on on um, Elaine in in the changing rooms and does this really big speech about having to buy his clothes from like a child's clothes store. So twice a year, I I have to go get new clothes. And I, uh-huh. I uh, the only way that I can. The only way I can get anything to fit me is uh, I have to go to uh, a men's store and walk straight to the boys' department and ask if they have anything in the husky sizes. Huskies, I hate them. <laughs> I, uh, I don't. I usually. You know, try to go when there's nobody there. I, I go during school hours. But no matter when I go, the place is crawling with kids. Uh, I don't even look at what I'm getting. I just go over to the rack, take it off my size, and I rush into the dressing goot. The last time one of the mothers said, You're lucky. At least you won't outgrow it in six months. Did you say anything to her? I mooned her. (laughs) The worst moment is when you gotta push open those doors and walk out into that room wearing your new corduroys making that noise (laughs) (laughs) and then all the parents tell their kids not to stare Is that the way I made you feel when I peeked? Kind of. God, I'm sorry. It then went on to spawn a lot of other comedies like um, Cheers, uh, because of Charles Burroughs was was one of the main directors here, which then obviously Frazier spun off from Cheers. James Burroughs, sorry. Yeah. I, I think Charles, but I think it's James and Charles Burroughs, so that's the wrong Burroughs. Oh, you, you have the Charles, I don't yes. have the James. Okay, and as well, um, James L. Brooks executive produced this, and Sam Simon show ran the fourth series, and obviously they went on to do The Simpsons, so there's a lot of pedigree there as it goes on, you know, and it's very influential. Um, it's a shame that there's no way really to watch this. Um, you know, it's not, I, I believe, certainly in the UK, it's not on any of the streaming platforms. No, I don't no. know if you've got like a, a geo blocker. There's a way to watch it maybe on Netflix US or Amazon. I'm not sure. But it's a shame that there's no, like I did, as I say, in the early 2000s, watch a lot of these shows 
not feel incredibly really, dated though. Really, not really. Um, I think because it was primarily the one set, you know, this the the cab dispatch set, the the cab company set. It doesn't really fit, and, and a lot of the themes and things like that still still stand. You know, there's not a lot of references to the time. So, so it, there's no like problematic language to put towards women or ethnicities or anything like that. A little bit, perhaps, but not overtly. There, right. There's there's nothing, and I think if there is, it comes from Louis, who is this loathsome character anyway. Mm. You know, it's not it's not coming from one of the protagonists. Say it's coming from the character who you you're meant to hate anyway. So, but no, so it, go on. With Father Ted. Blackadder and this, it's like this. It's really our sitcoms because the sitcom is the bit where people why are people trapped in this environment and why can't they move on? And all, all three of those are people trapped, unhappy, and trying to better themselves but unable to, in a way. I so, think I've got a lot of that, which says maybe a lot about me, but there you, <laughs> you like to see people in turmoil. <laughs> Okay, so I'll, I'll move on uh, to my next choice. And again, um, I'm not sure if it's one either of you have seen because we haven't really... I know me and Luke, we've never talked about this before. But again, I, I mean, in 2003 is when I, I sort of got my first adult job and had sort of my first... I you going to say, my first adult channel. In oh, yeah, first yeah. you got Sky and then you um, got in 2003. Yeah, Babe Station. I was going to say disposable income, and I bu- oh, ended okay. up buying a lot of DVD box sets, which were, you know, DVD was still in its infancy. I don't yeah. think it became a thing till maybe 2000, 2001. I think I had a DVD player in 2000. Mm-hmm. So I was then buying a lot of DVD box sets of things that I remembered from from when I was younger. So that's when I bought Blackadder and Father Ted, and I've got like 40 Towers here as well, and, and The Simpsons when they started to release them on DVD. And another one which I bought as well is one that, again, I remember reruns from when I was younger. And I, I, I'm tr- I again, ca- couldn't pinpoint exactly when it was I would have first seen it. I, I again, been tr- trawling the genome. It's Gino. on the buses. I know it's on the buses. Trawling the genome. <laughs> Um, for for when this was repeated, and the only time I can see it roughly when I may have caught it was ninety one, ninety two, um, and this is from the seventies. Uh, I think I remembered it so well because it had a distinctive opening sequence with the lead character taking off all his clothes and jumping into the sea. I don't know if either of you know what this is yet. Uh, no idea. Was- Rise and fall of Reginald The falls, are, almost. I knew I was going to get that The right. fall and rise of Reginald Parent. Morning, dear. Morning, dear. Yes. Uh, <laughs> 11 minutes late. Overheated axle at Berrylands. Take a letter, would you? To the traffic manager, British Rail, Southern Region. Dear sir, despite my letter of Friday last... I see you. That's right. Cross those lovely legs. Huh? Despite... <laughs> Uh, despite my letter of Friday last, I see you have still taken no action in the matter of the late arrival of trains at Waterloo. This morning, my train arrived, as always, 11 minutes late. It is rapidly becoming apparent to me that you are not only not competent to hold your job, you could not even run a game of strip poker in a Turkish brothel. <laughs> it should be obvious, even to a retarded hamster, that must make that Belgian hamster, would you? <laughs> retarded Belgian hamster, that all of your trains should be retimed to take 11 minutes longer. Uh, P.S. During the pollen season, Peter Cartwright's sneezing is rather offensive to those who, like myself, are allergic to sneezing. 
And this morning he blew his nose on the Greater Manchester Development Plan Supplement, a sound enough environmental comment, but not a pretty sight. <laughs> Why don't you divide your carriages into sneezers and non-sneezers? You all say anything wrong, John? Oh, by the way, John, I'm giving a little dinner party tonight um, at, 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 without food at 8 o'clock. Um, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I, I've already invited some people. Would, would you invite for me uh, David Harris-Jones and uh, Davina Letts Wilkinson from Custards, with her Custards? And, um, <laughs> oh yes, uh, my uncle, Percy Spillinger, Spillinger Towers, Abinger Hammer. Yes, if he doesn't put the cat among the pigeons, I don't know who will. <laughs> I shan't invite you, Joan, because I like you. This one, for me, is... It was one I'd almost forgotten, but I have, again, got the DVD box <laughs> staring at me right now um, at, at home. So, I, I mean, this for me is, again, a, another one. And I think, um, Sophie, in your list, you mentioned, too, where mental illness is, is a theme in, in, in the show. And mm -hmm. this is certainly a... a, a um, thing of Reginald Perrin it's a it's a guy who is stuck in a dead-end job at a, a desserts company he's he's he, he loves his wife but he he's sort of stuck in that rut he's he's impotent he's dreaming about his secretary who's played by oddly now the actress who plays Audrey Roberts in Coronation Street but she's the sort of the sex bomb in this um and and it's I think it uses the comedy elements the recurring gags in a way of showing almost the mundanity of his daily routine he's he meets the same people on the train who he finds tiresome every day his boss is very pompous and and will have the same catchphrase his his colleagues are very sycophantic he he despises most of the people who he meets on a regular basis his brother-in-law his son-in-law he finds them all you know they're they're largely comic creations he's the straight man but it's done in a way where he just hates everyone around him and wants to end end it all and what he ends up doing is he has a complete breakdown and fakes his own death in like the fifth episode and ends up coming back to spy on people through a, 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 a variety of guises. Um, <laughs> David Nobbs, who was was the creator, the writer, actually was adapting his own book and has said that he never really saw it as a sitcom, uh, more an adaptation of the book. And I think that's why it works. You know, it has got some really big laughs, but at its heart it is a portrayal of this man who just had enough of everyday life and wants to change himself and I think Leonard Rossiter's performance in this is just simply outstanding there, there was another two series following the initial series which I mean the second one again was interesting had some good ideas in it I think it it went downhill in the third series but I it's so memorable there's, there's certain scenes in there that are so memorable and I don't think it's not one that either of you have seen really I have seen it. My my issue with it was, and I could see why it was so beloved. Mm. My issue with it was, I felt like Leonard Rossiter as this lead, as Reginald Perrin, was in felt like sometimes in a very different show to them. His performance was sometimes quite loud and shouty, mm. and everyone else. So I struggled a little bit tonally, but I. I could. I saw a lot of what you see in mm. it, but yeah. I, that I was the point it. of it a little bit, yeah. though, I think, was the contrast of that character from the other characters around him and the fact he was shouty and, and he was he was losing his mind. That was the point of the character in the first series, um, was that he was having a complete breakdown. Uh, and I think that, that tonal 
imbalance was part of the plot, really. Um, I don't know why they felt the need to remake yes, this. Yes, I was going to say. Clooney yeah, I was going to mention later. that. I think I've mainly heard of this because they tried to do a reboot, didn't they? Yeah. With mm. was it Martin Clunes? Yeah. yeah. How did that do? I'm just I've heard of I've, it, but oh, well, I didn't want to watch it. And Luke, I don't know, did you? I did see it. Um, it was much more sitcommy than mm. um, you know a lot more studio sets. Um, Kerry Howard from Him and Her was the secretary right. this time and so it doesn't really work and it was just it was a lot of well-known faces in roles that were for smaller characters so it was it was a bit broader it was a bit more they lost laugh. maybe what what was good about the original you know they they missed yeah. the point maybe and that that was one thing i think that's marred it a little bit the other thing was they did a um a follow-up Without after London Rossiter had died, which seems bizarre, um, called the Legacy of Reginald Perrin, I think was mm. on the mid nineties. I remember it going out. I I think I'd seen some of the original, where it was about all the other characters from the original coming back after he died to, like, get his legacy. He'd put in certain stipulations that they had to get before they got his inheritance. So. But that didn't work because it didn't have Leonard Rossiter in it. So I don't know why you would do a show without the me- the lead, really. It didn't make mm. any sense to me. But no, this, again, is something I, I just think. And, and it's one of the first sitcoms as well that had you heard the characters' thoughts throughout the show. You heard the inner monologue. How marvellous. Last time I shall ever have to travel on this bloody train. <laughs> last time I shall ever have to look at these stupid faces. And the last time I shall have to listen to Peter Cartwright's hay fever. <laughs> Bless you. You haven't any tissues, have you, Reggie? Ursula's forgotten mine. Any tissues, have you, Reggie? Ursula's forgotten mine. Oh, no, sorry, Peter, I haven't. No. Oh, you can use my programme for the Fruit Association of Bilbury Hall, if you like. That again. <laughs> I think the only other thing around the same time that was doing it maybe was open all hours, but that was only at the end uh, with, with Art Ride's little monologues at the end. Whereas this was hearing Reginald Perrin's thoughts and you know us, the audience, knowing what was going on with him more than the characters around him. And I think that worked. And there was the elements of the surrealism every time his mother-in-law was mentioned. You saw the image of the hippo. So there was, there was things like that that I think, again, you, you you see trickle down throughout the generations and used in other comedies. Are we going to get to join you in the noughties soon? <laughs> what do you mean, comedies from the noughties? Or... Co- comedies in recent memory. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, everything now is, is post... 1990 at least so um oh wow strap in strap in um <laughs> we're up to my list now <laughs> well this one so i've placed this a little bit later again with, with comedies it's uh, i it's place these sort of them. autobiographically more than yeah. sort of chronod- chron- chronologically is that the because ne- you struggle to say it <laughs> yes the next couple are um, ones where I had watched them at some point, but I've put them at the point where I watched all of it or started regularly watching it. So 
to to give an example, my next selection, and I know it's one Luke's watched most of as well. It's South Park is my next one. Yeah. These are Matt's Desert Island comedies. All right, I guess we should taste each other's chili, huh? Yeah, this chili looks pretty good. Here's mine. Mmm. I don't know. Your chili is good, Cartman, but I think mine is better. Try it. All right. Hey, this is great. It's a special recipe. Ah, this is really good, Scott. I'm glad you like it so much, because now that you're almost finished, I have something to tell you. What? You mean about how you put pubes in your chili? What? Yes, I'm afraid this isn't your chili, Scott. I switched it with chefs. It's delicious, chef. I hadn't planned on that. What I did plan on, however, was that my friend Stan and Kyle would betray me and warn you that the chili con carnival was a trap. I assumed that they would tell you that I had trained Dankins' pony to bite off your wiener. What they didn't tell you was that Dankins is a crazy redneck who shoots trespassers on sight. Knowing that you would go and try to do something to the pony, I warned Mr. Dinkins that violent pony killers were in the area. I also knew that you wouldn't go yourself for fear of having your wiener bitten off. You would most likely send your parents. And I'm afraid that when Mr. Dinkins spotted them on his property, he shot and killed both your parents. <laughs> Well, they was trespassing and I was protecting myself. I, I have my rights. My mom and dad are dead? I came just in time to see Mr. Dinkins giving his report to Officer Barbrady. And of course, to steal the bodies. After a night with the hacksaw, I was all ready to put on my chili gun carnival so that I could tell you personally about your parents' demise. And of course, feed you your chili. Do you like it? Do you like it, Scott? I call it Mr. and Mrs. Tenerman Chili. I made you eat your parents. Jesus Christ, dude. My mom and dad are dead. No. No. Uh, excuse me. Who are you? We're that band, Radiohead. <laughs> Jeez, what a little crybaby. You're going to cry all day, crybaby? You know, everyone has problems. It doesn't mean you have to be a little crybaby about it. Come on, guys, let's go. This kid is totally not cool. Yeah, that's the most uncool kid I've ever met. Little crybaby. No! Wait! Wait! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes! Yes! Oh, let me taste your tears, Scott. Mm, your tears are so yummy and sweet. Dude, I think it might be best for us to never piss Cartman off again. Good call. Oh, the tears of unfathomable sadness. Mm, yummy! And I, I think for this, um, I, I initially watched it when it first came on, on Channel 4 in 1998. Oddly, I watched the first episode, and then the next week, I'd got, I went on the French Exchange for two weeks, ended up convincing... <laughs> this is very autobiographical. ...convincing my French Exchange student to watch it, and he <laughs> liked it as well. And so it, hang on. Let I me, watched let it in French. Sure I know how... I thought you wouldn't have a French Exchange student. I thought they went to you. And then house. you go to them. Oh, that you stay with them. Yeah, I you swap over. Yes. Oh, I thought it was literally a swap for us. I thought you would. Yeah, you swap, so French you go. Family. They come to you, and then you go to them. Oh, did thought... you think that you just stayed with the parents yeah, and not I the? That the kid got swapped. And, and... <laughs> no, that's, oh, that's, that's, just that's, that's just in the Simpsons episode. <laughs> that's what you basically. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy, from family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. 
Yes, like wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. And what better way to get into the holiday spirit than with a Minky Couture blanket? Whether you're gathered around the tree with loved ones, roasting marshmallows by the fire, or just looking for a cozy way to stay warm on a chilly night, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Christmas festivities. With a wide range of festive designs and colors, you can find the perfect blanket to match your holiday decor or gift to your loved ones. So this Christmas, make your holiday even cozier with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket just in time for the holiday. Happy holidays from Minky Couture. That's how it works. I thought that you'd go to France and meet the boy's family no. that has gone to... The poor kid that's been taken to Stoke and living on oat cakes. No. Have to be, uh... Okay, go on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned something today. The Simpsons no, have lied so, yeah, to so, me for years. So, I... Uh... This was the second part, so he'd already... He's come... I think he got the raw deal because he'd come over to Stoke in April and had to come to school with me. I then got to go to France in July. I, I think there's a <laughs> podcast in this. Yeah, anyway, anyway, that's the context. I watched the first episode in English and then watched it in French again, watched the second episode in French and then watched it in English again because it was a two-week French exchange. And I think like what a lot... His of name? Thomas. That's almost German. Yes. Okay. Are you you finished now with these questions? Can I carry on talking (laughs) about (laughs) that? Um, so I, I think like a lot of people, the first two seasons of South Park, it was very much hysteria. Channel 4 promoted the hell out of it. Um, you know, I had the CDs. Um, I think my brother had like a cuddly Cartman doll. (laughs) So for the first... So for the first two years, I think it was it was a big thing. Everyone talked about it leading up to when the movie came out. And then it sort of moved around the schedules a little bit. Channel 4, I think, still had the rights to it, but dropped it a, li- dropped it a little bit. I think it was on Sky 1 as well. But I rediscovered it, I, I think, around the time I'd seen the episode um, Scott Tenenbaum Must Die, which is a complete game changer. I think it's a crazy episode, the reveal about... Cartman's revenge on Scott Tenenbaum is completely odd and I then went back I think we were around 2004 2005 by that point and I ended up going back and buying all the region 1 DVDs this is when you had money you don't yes. have money for this sort of thing now, that had you? the had the commentaries and things like that so um I, I, that's when I think 2005 is when I immersed myself in this and was at the same time able to watch the newer episodes uh, by nefarious means at the same time. So he's caught up where it was in the States. And I think the thing with South Park was initially, and I think this is what you found, Luke, was it was yeah. just quite a coarse show. Gross out humor. Yeah. And it was loud, only uh, on the commentaries, I remember them saying it was after the movie, they w- they actually said, well, what do we want this to be? And I think that is when it become 
quite a satire, quite a scathing point. I think the first episode they said that they tried to do something different with was sexual harassment panda. Okay, children, let's take our seats. We have something very important to discuss. Due to recent events around the country, I've been instructed to teach you all about sexual harassment in school. About what? Now, does anybody know what sexual harassment means? Yes, Eric. When you're trying to have intercourse with a lady friend and some other guy comes up and tickles your balls from behind. No, Eric, that's not what I'm talking about. The school board has sent over a special guest to teach us all about sexual harassment in schools. Please welcome Petey the Sexual Harassment Panda. Who lives in the east neath the willow tree? Sexual harassment panda. Who explains sexual harassment to you and me? Sexual harassment panda. Don't say that. Don't touch there. Don't be nasty, says the silly bear. He's gonna tell you what's right and wrong. Sexual harassment Panda. It's a show I think that was con that was constantly evolving. I think it had its first golden period, perhaps between like the seventh and tenth seasons, mm. and then it went off the boil a little bit, and then it it sort of came back towards 2014 when they started to do storylines which would go over episodes or throughout the season. Uh, and they did something new with that, with, with like the animated sitcom, whereas previously, like The Simpsons yeah. or Family Guy, you know, it resets and South Park did that as well. But they did that to the extent where the 20th season, I think it was, with the 2016 American yeah. election, they completely misread the room and had written it so that Hillary Clinton won rather than Trump. Mm. And I think another thing that works for this is that they write the... The episode that week and put it out um so it, it it does feel very to the minute and i think even this past season even though it hasn't been at the heights of where it was before has still got some highlights and has still got a message behind it i think what they were talking about this se this season was a lot of the streaming platforms looking at getting spin-offs from existing franchises to get that audience over to their platform and there being so many streaming platforms now that people are mm. torn and are being taken away from basic cable and things like that and so they also talk about uh, social anxiety and the way we're all strapped to our phones nowadays and how dangerous that is and it's a shame because it has a reputation that it hasn't been able to shake off of being loud and rude and gregarious and brash and gross out and just people breaking wind and swearing and it was that in the beginning and that's the, the part of it that I detested. When it becomes something where it's actually saying something about not only American society but society in, in the Western world as a whole, I think it's an important show. Perhaps not as important as something like Bojack Horseman which has got a real message behind it. But I do think it's got, again, not to repeat myself, I think it's got more of a heart than people realise. And it is trying to remove the image that it has of this silly thing that only teenage boys find funny and find interesting. And, oh, is it, can't you believe that they said that or got away with that? It's not about that anymore. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if other people wouldn't have watched it because of the reputation that it had. Sophie, have you ever watched this at all? 
Yeah, I like South Park. I actually I watched the Casa Bonita episode just a few a few days ago because did you know that Casa Bonita is a real restaurant? Yes, I only just found it out recently. Yeah, because yeah. I listened to the commentaries, so I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> I had no idea. I saw that episode ages ago. It because it seems like it's a made up restaurant, yeah. doesn't it? There's like people <laughs> diving Black off Black cliffs. <laughs> and then, yeah, we found out a few days ago that it was real, so we went back and watched this episode. And we're here, we're here, Casa Bonita. Oh man, this is gonna be so great! Wait up, Eric. We need to stay together. Uh, hold on, boys. That's my cell phone. Hello. Yes. Oh, that's great, boys. They found Butters. He's okay. Oh, awesome! I knew he'd turn up. Yes, Eric Cartman is with us. Why? Oh, really? What? Yes, I will certainly let him know. Thank you. Well, it appears that Eric here is responsible for Butters missing because he wanted to go to Casa Bonita. What? Eric, the South Park police are already on their way here to have a little talk with you. But, Casa Bonita... I should have known better. You never cared about my birthday at all. But I... but... Stand back! Cartman, stop it. I am going to Casa Bonita! It's too late, fat ass. They'll be here in less than a minute. Ah, 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 less than a minute. Less than a minute. Cartman! Oh, awesome! Excuse me, excuse me. Can I just eat some of your... Thank you, thank you. Okay, I gotta get to Blackbird's Cave. Excuse me, excuse me. Coming through Blackbird's Cave. Oh, scary. Look, a skeleton. Oh, man, I'm so scared. Oh, that was awesome! Oh, oh cliff divers! <laughs> come on, come on, dive! Dive, asshole! Oh, awesome! That was cool, huh? Come on, come on! Silver Pierce! Can I get some Silver Pierce, please? Sweet! Oh, ooh, puppet show, puppet show! Ah! Carmen! Where? All right, kid, end of the line. Uh, uh. Yay! Jesus Christ! Well, kid, you made an entire town panic, you lost all your friends, and now you're going to Juvenile Hall for a week. <laughs> Was it worth it? Totally. For some reason, I always really love the uh, episodes like that, where it's Cartman convincing Butters of something. Like, I remember one in particular where, for some reason, he's convinced Butters that he's a ghost and only Butters can see him. Well, no, he thinks he's a ghost. Everyone else is ignoring, ignoring him. him. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Everyone's ignoring him. And then Butters is like, oh, hey, Eric. And he's like, <laughs> Butters can see me. Like, and then, isn't there another one where he's like, awesome robot? Yeah, awesome. Like, I love Butters. Yeah. Hey there, have you heard about my robot friend? He's metal and small and doesn't judge me at all. He's a cyber wire bundle of joy, my robot friend. I like to dip and daddle with my robot friend. He's smart as can be and emotion free. And he's computed his way to my heart, my robot friend. My robot friend.
was the turning point, the introduction of a character that was so innocent and sweet and you just wanted to cuddle in butters was a real turning point because up until then it was just the three of them sort of with their infighting and he's this innocent young if you're anything like me you're booked and busy from family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts yes like wrestling with freddie with me freddie prince jr with all the responsibilities we have it's always nice to have someone in your corner that's why state farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion just wants to be part of their gang oh, there's another one where he convinces him that he's wearing a virtual reality headset uh, oh uh, no yeah <laughs> yeah he goes in and beats up his parents for always grounding him and it's, <laughs> it's, it's brilliant it's so the combination of those four kids you're is gonna so be good grounded art. mister and i love the one where they dress um butters up as a girl to find out what the girls are doing. What yeah. do they call him now? I can't remember. Marjorie. Marjorie, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Because they've got that thing, that thing that sort of, I don't know what you call it, those paper things where you... Yeah, the little dream catchers, are they called? Yeah. And they're so, they're so bemused by it that they send butters in to infiltrate the, the girls' rooms and see what they're up and, to. And one of the episodes, again, that I've watched this week is the sex education episode. Which is brilliant. Right. Yeah, and proper condom also, use. Oh, and yeah. they they do a lot of different things. Like mm-hmm. the one I saw recently, the one with um, where they've all got the Japanese throwing stars. Yeah. That they buy and then fun times with weapons. In, Butters gets one in his eye, and they have to hide him. Because mm. yeah. there's the, there's the that and quite the recent. Uh, sorry. No, I was just going to say the Warcraft episode as well, which they do yeah. the. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say the two recent South Park PlayStation games have been really good as well because they are created by uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone and they do they are genuinely like as funny as the TV show is too. Is that the Stick of Truth? Stick is of Truth or... and the Fractured But Whole. <laughs> <laughs> Pronouncing it the way it's written. <laughs> but um, I think Stick of Truth is slightly better, but yeah, because it is those guys who've made the game and mm. they even, I think, delayed it at one point because they really wanted to perfect it. And it is genuinely like one the funniest game I've ever played. It's really good. Uh, yeah, and I think that sort of goes goes throughout what the, the, the creators have got this attention to detail, which I think shows in a lot of what they do and are quite passionate about what they put out and i think because this goes out on comedy central in the states which is quite a it's it's is it a i mean you've lived in the states luke it's a cable channel isn't it that's yeah it's on really late yeah um it's a cable channel most people have got cable it's the one show that i'm going to be interested to because because they write it's so close to 
you know, transmission. It's the one show that I'm going to be interested to see what they do with our current world that we live yeah, in. Yeah, the pandemic. They the pandemic. They're bound to touch on it, especially yeah. if we're still in the midst of this when it's back in, in October time. And it's the one show. Everything else I just wish wouldn't mention it, but I'm interested on South Park's take on the because yeah. a lot of what they mentioned in the last was about the ice stuff wasn't it and the like immigrant children yeah. being uh separated from their parents and you know the the fact that the uh the guards thought they could t- speak spanish and it, and it was just them saying that i miss where am where are my parents and, and yeah. having the the family adopt them and and things like that and the mexican joker which I yeah. think as well, but yeah, and 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 this because this is still going on as well. I can have this regularly shipped out to my desert island. I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> we've already organised a shipping. Yes. Comedies that made us laugh, cry, and had the biggest impact. All right, that does it. Screw you guys. I'm going home. These are Matt's desert island comedies. This next show is another one where I struggled to put where I was going to have it in terms of this list. This was a show that I, I remember certainly watching the latter series of when it first aired. And again, this was something that they showed, a British show that they showed somewhat of on, on Paramount Comedy. They did show some British shows. I think they had Paramount Comedy 2, which was specifically for, for British comedies. And then with the advent of what well, is now all four, it was 4OD when it first launched, I went back and watched a lot of these episodes. And it's not a show a lot of people talk about, but I know that Luke's watched some because I forced him to watch some and it's Drop the Dead Donkey. Oh, yes. Edited highlights. The best of Damien Day, starting with June 1986. And here, among the ruins of West Beirut, lies perhaps the most poignant testimony to the tragedy of the Lebanon, poking pathetically through the rubble, a child's teddy bear. (laughs) And now March 1989. And buried inside the remnants of this hospital, (laughs) devastated by the earthquake. A sad symbol of tragedy, (laughs) a child's teddy (laughs) And finally, last month. A sad trail of destruction. And among the wreckage, a grim reminder of the human cost of this air crash. Hand it over. (laughs) (laughs) And the bloodstained plimsoll. (laughs) We've been warned about this before, Damien. Look, come on, you two. I mean, you know what these stories are like. You turn up and the emergency services have cleared away all the carnage, so you've got no pictures. Well, these are just creative touches to bring home the full drama of the story to the viewer. Well, I've won three awards with Dimbles. (laughs) All all right, all right, I concede that maybe I've overused him a teensy bit. A teensy bit? This bear's visited more disaster scenes than Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) 
It's the only cuddly toy to have taken part in the Iran-Iraq war. Whereas I recall, you claimed it was a mascot abandoned by martyrs of Allah. Now, if there are any more of these creative touches, we're going to be out. Is that clear? Yes, George. It's a show that, that I remember quite fondly, but it's not a show that's really stayed in the comedy pantheon as much as some other shows from the time. And I don't know if that's because it's not regularly repeated it's or it's... Because it, it was so of its time. It's so of the time. So, yeah. I, I mean, for people who haven't seen it, it's set in the Globelink newsroom, which is a... I, I don't, wouldn't know if it's like a cable news channel, perhaps, run by uh, the uh, the Globelink company has been bought by... Royston Merchant, who's sort of a Rupert Murdoch slash Robert Maxwell type media tycoon, uh, who's represented in this by Gus Hedges, who is very much the management talk uh, character, the middleman who has got no regard for the news, but more so about presenting entertaining TV. Morning, hot shots. Are we cooking with napalm? You bet. Terrific. <laughs> now, as you know, I'm not here. Right, in that case. Uh, but there is just something I'd like to pop into your percolator to see if it comes out brown. <laughs> Studio interview technique. We've had a couple of complaints. Tory central office felt that last week Henry was a, a bit hard on Peter Lilly. You can't be too hard on Peter Lilly. <laughs> Gus, the man is slimier than a tapeworm's douchebag. <laughs> he just wouldn't answer the question. All right, all right. All I'm saying is, we've got Sir Teddy Taylor and Ken Livingstone coming in on Thursday. I told you, Gus. I'm taking care of the interview. Terrific. Well, let's keep kneecapping the opposition. I think the thing with this is that people remember it most for, like South Park, being written up quite to the moment so they could include topical jokes from that week and, and in fact I, I remember the cast saying that if you saw a lot of clipboards in the episode it was be because they've just inserted this gag into the episode and they, they were reading the the lines from from a clipboard but I think for me what makes this work again is the characters are well drawn and it's again one where they're, they're sort of trapped in this environment that they wouldn't spend time together unless they worked together. And they are characters on, on the outside who maybe you wouldn't want to spend any time with at all. But when once you unwrap their insecurities, you know, where they've come from, there's a lot of things about either how they grew up or their relationships with their children that is very relatable. Uh, you've got characters, so you've got George, who's the lead producer, who's very much like a sad sack character. You've got Henry, who's the lead anchor, who's who's very much worried about growing older. What's happened? I reread my book last night. I used to have such a fire in my guts. Somewhere along the way, I've lost it. I try and cover it up by getting pissed and chasing women. I'm pathetic. I even keep myself by wearing this ridiculous wig. Is that a wig? <laughs> <laughs> I've ended up exactly the sort of person I used to hate when I was young. I don't want people to see that. I think some of the best scenes in this come from uh, Stephen Tompkinson as Damien Day, the the field reporter who is the one who's very ambitious and who will make his own stories. So you've seen him sort of throwing hand grenades into the back of scenes to make it seem a lot more dramatic than it is. I mean, Luke, I know I got you to watch some of this um, recently, so I don't know. What are your views on this? No, I, I did enjoy it. Mm. And I, I didn't watch 
you know, I watched the selected episodes that you mm. asked me to watch. But I think it it's another one that it manages not to feel dated because they are basically on that, that newsroom set. Mm. And although it's of its time, it does feel relevant. And they they are they are surprisingly they're clever and it's funnier than you can imagine. It's from Andy Hamilton and Guy Jenkins, who you might know, went on to do things like... Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Frigo Crumbled Blue Cheese, Kellogg's Club Crackers, Coca-Cola, All Liquid Detergent, or Utz Chips, and earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com slash holiday. Outnumbered, and they've worked together for a long time. But the ones I saw, I really enjoyed, actually. Mm. And I don't know why I didn't just go back and finish it. But, uh, it, but again, I don't think I did. You were the first person to say, watch this, and I... I sort of knew of it, but didn't know what it was. You knew the title. Yeah. It's sort of I, a weird one that hasn't stick to, stuck around in people's minds. And and I think as well, it's something where it was quite revolutionary and quite influential. And it was one of the first where they actually took the camera into the set. There's a lot of handheld stuff. There's a lot of close-ups. There's a lot of people not making eye contact with each other, which you don't always do when you're talking to someone, you know, especially in a work setting. Uh, and I, I, I think that really works. And also, it was one of the first shows to do a mockumentary. It does a mockumentary episode in the final series. Again, like we were talking last week with The Office, it was around the time when the shows were starting, I believe 1998, when all these documentaries, these fly-on-the-wall docu-soaps were all the rage. You're looking at a man with a problem. He's Gus Hedges, chief executive of Globelink News part of the crumbling empire of reclusive business mogul Sir Royston Merchant. Join us as we step into this man's world, as we watch Gus and his team make the news. Morning, team! Have we rebooted our mental hard disks this morning? You bet! Terrific. Remember, let nowness synergize with excellence. So go for it, compadres! Respect! <laughs> My job is all about motivation. That's one of the four M's of management. Motivation, morale, money maximization, and mega conciseness. Sophie, have you ever seen this? No, I've heard of it, but never seen it. Kind of like what you were saying before, Luke. It's not something I've ever really heard talked no, about that much. Like, so I'm aware of it, and I know that it's about, you know, news in some way. I th- I, to be honest, I think I thought it was a newspaper rather than a, mm. a sort of newsroom. But, um, yeah, I just never really felt the urge to watch it, to be honest. Okay, okay fair enough. <laughs> just so it's not, it's not something that people have talked about that yeah, much, so yeah, I, don't, I didn't feel like yeah. I needed to sort of catch yeah. up with it. I think, you should, I think you would like this. It's certainly got elements, like, I know you said you mentioned the thick of it before. It's got elements of that in a way. It's very right. much, you know, characters 
barbing with one another, you know, throwing insults at each other. Um, but at the same time, they have almost this appreciation for for each other in a way. I think. Would you say, Luke? Yeah. It's, mm. Again, it's very it's very warm, and it's they, there's a lot of camaraderie within the mm. team, and I think that that kept, yeah. kept me going. You've been crying, haven't you? Crying? What are you talking about? When have you ever known me cry? I've been shot at by the Khmer Rouge, stoned by Islamic fundamentalists, tarred and feathered by Millwall fans. I don't remember that story. Well, it wasn't on a story. It was one of Henry's pub crawls. I told them I was Graham Taylor's son. Are you sure you... Look, I do not cry, OK? My, uh, my eyes are watering due to an allergy. All I ever wanted was for her to say, well done. You know, the day I got my A-level results, I got three grade A's and a B. Shame about the B, she said. Good job she wasn't Leonardo da Vinci's mum, eh? Shame you never quite mastered the trampoline, Leonardo. <laughs> yes, I'll look at your Mona Lisa once I've finished the weeding. She's always criticising. You know, if she corrects me one more time... I'm sure she's proud of you, really. Oh, we've got you all wrong, haven't we? You're really a soft, sensitive person underneath. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just re-editing my Azerbaijan footage to include the rebels playing football with this bloke's head. I, I suppose it still holds up in terms of the humour. A lot of the references are obviously of the time because it was written up to that point. But they do helpfully have like a little thing at the beginning of each episode where they say this episode was first aired in October 92 when this was happening and then they'll go into the show so yeah. ah, you've, right. sort of, you've sort of got you some level of context on it but yeah no I would I, I think I, I put this on my list mainly because it's a show that I remember warmly but it's not really talked about like you said we're getting on Luke's another one where it's not really mentioned and, and I suppose getting on is still you know only 10 years old whereas the first episode aired in 1990, so it's 30 years old now. So, um, but yeah, no, definitely um, one that that stays with me is Drop the Dead Donkey. We're up to 2009 now, folks, and oh this is actually God. this is actually a show from 2009. You've so... heard of it? Sophie, have seen it. Yes, I think I think you've all seen this one. So this is one where. I, you know, I, I previously mentioned when you were talking about Parks and Recreation that during like the, the latter half of the noughties, I would try and seek out all the new US shows, see what I, I was going to continue with. Do you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and certain ones like I, I may not have given a fair shake to, like Parks and Rec, for example. And this was one where it felt initially like a, a standard US sitcom, and then it became something else. And Luke, what is it? How I Met Your Mother. No, not at all. No, <laughs> it's not How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> no. So what 2009. Oh, Christ, yeah. <laughs> what, what is it then? It's, it's Community. Hmm. Was that hmm, directed at me? If the hmm fits. I don't have your pen, Annie. I'm always lending you supplies. You never come prepared. 
If it's so important to you, here, have my pen. That's my pen. Well, whatever, people. They are just things. Since they're just things, I don't suppose you mind letting us take a quick look-see inside your bag. Oh, I'd very much mind, Annie. There's no such thing as a quick invasion of civil liberties. Oh, oh man. Oh, it all starts with a quick look-see into someone's bag, and then it's a brisk peek at our phone records, and before you can say 1984, the Thought Police are forcey-worsing you to bend and spread. Bend and spread? Are the Thought Police gonna make love to us? Do they find thoughts in our butts? I knew I should have read that book. Britta, stop using the Constitution as a baby blanket. Last week, she invoked the Freedom of Information Act to request photocopies of my notes. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, excuse me for living free. Come on, Stoney, we all know the pen's in your bag. Yeah, come on! Yeah, come on, Not if that's a used Q-tip. Gross. Yes, gross. Welcome to the gross business of martial law. Welcome to what used to be individuality, seized and disintegrated by cowardly groupthink. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to the machine. Well, Annie, it looks like you were wrong. Britta does come prepared for one thing. <gasps> or six. Big weekend? Can't complain. Razzle pizzazzle. Attention, students. The puppy parade is starting on the quad. Better come quick with every passing moment. These puppies grow older and less deserving of our attention. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Where do you people think you're going? Uh, have you ever gone to a puppy parade halfway through, Britta? <laughs> it is pointless. Then you clearly stole the pen. The Patriot Act cuts both ways. <gasps> Actually, it's pretty one-sided. It's kind of the point. Here's my point. Whoever the pen thief is just stood there and watched me get guantanamo and I'd like to know who it is so I can let them know that they have lost my trust forever. It's a bottle episode. Britta, we're sorry we embarrassed you and looked at your prophylactic equipment. Your lifestyle mistakes are none of our business. Oh, thanks, Shirley. But now let's wrestle through your tampons and wallets so we can apologize to you. Oh, I'm sure everybody here knows that I don't steal. Have you checked your bag, Shirley? If you took it by mistake, I forgive you. Oh, oh so if I took it, it's larceny, but if you find it under Mother Hen, it's a mistake. Mother Hen? I think we're about the same age. Sure, unless Time is linear. I'll make your ass linear. That doesn't make any sense. I'll make your ass sense. Girls, don't get your panties puckered. We all know what we're really thinking. If, and I mean if, the culprit is among us, statistically speaking, it's Troy. Yes, we were all just thinking that in 1856. 1856? What if a ghost took the pen? Please forgive him. For what? For stealing the pen, dummy. Why would I take her pen? I don't even like having my own. It's probably under one of Pierce's casts. He uses everything to itch his legs. We're on our third DVD remote. If I took the pen, I'd say so. You probably forgot. You've been popping painkillers like Tic Tacs. Oh, yeah, right. Side effects. Verbal dysphagia and octopus loss. I don't see anything in this squirrel about memory, Troy. Now I want to know who has it. Yeah, nice try, Shirley. That doesn't take you off the list. Jeff, you're in charge. I demand you deal with this. There's nothing to deal with. I'll say. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Everyone, breathe. You know what this is? Yep. Shut up. This is a normal day with a bunch of friends who are done studying and a pen that maybe rolled away. Rolled away? Or fell down someone's shoe. Let's check shoes. Annie! Fine. Fine. Someone in this room is hiding your pen. Want to know why? They feel terrible. They made a mistake. They waited too long to come forward and now they feel bad. They should. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So, pen thief. We understand what happened, and we forgive you. If you confess and apologize. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right, but here's the trick. Because this person now has no reason not to come forward, if by some chance I get to the count of three and nobody comes forward, guess what? We have to accept that no one has the pen, don't we? Mm. Don't we? 
Good. So here we go. One. Two. <gasps> Pierce, you have something to tell us? Yes. Is it me or has it become really obvious that Jeff took the pen? Yes. You want to make a bet, you jerks? Lockdown! I'll bet. Seal the doors. Nobody leaves until this pen shows up. I don't like this. Yeah, tell it to the pen you might have. Guinefer, hi. Yeah, it's me. I can't make it. Well, tell your disappointment to suck it. I'm doing a bottle episode. I was initially intrigued by this because I'd seen um, a lot of the soup, which Joel McHale used to host yeah. on, on yeah. E!, um, and I did like his style, you know, I hadn't really known him as an actor. I don't know if he'd done a lot prior to this as an actor. He was, I'm assuming he was more well-known in, in the States, was yeah, he? Yeah, because of the suit. Because really. of the suit. I, I hadn't really seen him do a lot. No. I, and I, I also knew uh, John Oliver uh, from comedy shows over here, and then he went on to do The Daily Show. Uh, and it was intriguing, I think, uh, an intriguing setting of this community college and an intriguing combination of these known quantities. As You know, you had Ch Chevy Chase in there as well. And these newer stars who've gone on to do things since like Gillian Jacobs, Alison Brie, Donald Glover, people like that. And I think it, initially you had that warmth to it that these were characters who wouldn't normally spend time together but gradually you know they formed this study group and they became friendly but then i think it became something else towards the end of the first season when they had the first paintball episode mm. and it completely changed into something else and i've been watching some of the the season two episodes where they had they had the um the christmas episode which was entirely claymation they had the <laughs> the um my dinner with jeff episode which was just our bed and jeff and and then later again you know they have the paintball episodes they have the episode where the pencil they have yeah. the, the glee episode they have the gi joe episode as you as you reference there luke you know they do have they did have the troubles behind the scenes and things like that and i do believe it did lose a little something when donald glover leaves in in season five because part of the joy of it he gets a great exit though mm. i thought he had a good exit story which is yeah. at least something. Part, part of the joy of it was the was the chemistry the the friendship between uh donald glover's troy and uh danny pudi's arbed and their little segments towards the morning was yeah. the end of of every show we really appreciate you doing this sure and three two one. Troy and Abbott in the morning, and we're back. Look who's here, Jeff Winger. Jeff, how do you stay so fit? Uh, diet, exercise, genetics. <laughs> oh, oh. Sure, sure. Okay, so it seems as though we have a clip. You want to set it up for us? Uh, I'd like to, but I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, we'll just roll it. Ooh, my name's Jeff Winger. Ooh, yeah. Hey, I'm Jeff Winger. I'm so tall. Ah, this watch is expensive. Muscles are everywhere. Oh, that was really funny. Guys, what's going on? Where are the cameras? Oh, we're not filming this. No, who'd want to watch this? Oh, guys, it's 6 a.m. Jeez. We're not going to have him back. Troy and Abbott in no! the But even in that final season, I think they they still have that dynamic to it. Now, when and... you say final season, do you mean the one that was on Yahoo? That nobody the sixth, ever... sixth season. Right. I've yes. never seen that, even uh, now. Well, you know it's all on uh, all four as well. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, so I have watched that in preparation because it 
this community was something that was on my long list of of shows i had like five or six which i knew instantly and then there was a long list of things which and i and i think i i went i've got to go back to this and have a look at the final season and i think still they did have some good ideas there they brought in Paget Brewster and Keith David to fill up the ensemble in the final season and it did get to the extent where it I think the meta element of it may be scared off well not scared off but put off some people the final episode is them talking about what would happen in the next season and everyone giving their ideas and you know, it, it restarting over and over again with the theme tune. Six years, guys. Nipple dippers. Oh, nipple, nipple dippers. Where's Annie? I mean, no offense to you guys, but she's the only one that gets me. She said she had an interview? Six years. Six seasons, right, Abed? Don't put a nickel in him. Stop mitigating everyone. So, Abed, what happens in season seven? Oh, man. I don't know how likely season seven is. I mean, what show ever peaked after season six? Simpsons, Seinfeld, South Park, Friends. Those shows weren't hemorrhaging characters every year. Oh, I don't like that word, hemorrhaging. I'll see what I can do. What if Shirley came back? Would that change your disposition? Shirley could get us back on formula, but I don't see it turning us around. Sorry, what's our formula? Well, basically. I can't count the reasons I should stay. I have a placeholder so set up, it makes analogies look like punchlines. My setup lacks awareness, but my punchline doesn't know. Abusively cynical one-liner dismissing everything you just said. Absurd reaction. You guys, can we put a pin in the B story and focus on the A story? I don't trust A stories. Never had, never will. I had a setup about a story that was so placeholder, the punchline came five words early. I can tag it, too. Ooh. I'll just take a moment to explain the risks involved in all decisions made from here until eternity. Who the hell are you? I'm Frankie Dart. Is this combination gonna work? Not my place to say, Abed. Lizard, fire hydrant, Obama. Chang! Again, to use Luke's catchphrase, it had that warmth to it. I think in some of the characters, you know, the Donald Glover character, Yvette Nicole Brown's character, mm. it just had that, the, the balance of all the characters and all of the performers they were worked quite well. well. And I, and I really did. Good friends. Offset sort of thing, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sophie, any thoughts? Yeah, I only watched Community for the first time. I think it was last year. Is that when all four added it? Probably. Because, um, yeah. yeah, it's been something that's been like on my radar for ages. And I think at one point I put it on my Netflix list and then it got taken off Netflix, just that sort of thing. And then when they put it on all four, I'd thought, right, I'm going to watch this. And I did really like it. But as you said, watching season one, you, you're kind of thinking, this is fine. <laughs> like, yeah. you're not sure, but you carry on watching it because you know it's going to change. And yeah, I'm just looking at the list now. I think the first episode that really kind of struck me was the uh, contemporary American poultry, which is towards <laughs> the end of season one. And that's very much a sort of like, it's a sort of almost good fellas sort of parody, yeah. isn't it? But to do with getting chicken in the cafeteria. At Greendale, they were always out of chicken fingers. So whoever could get them had power. And I was the guy in the apron. So I came up with a system, and pretty soon half the chicken at Greendale was going out the side door. Everybody in our crew had a job. T-Bone was the bag man. He'd move the fingers to a storeroom where two of the girls did the packaging. We could trust them not to eat the supply because Britta was a vegetarian. And Shirley figured that if she stole, she'd go to hell. They'd hand the stuff out the window to Annie. She was the leg man, the distributor. The crazy thing was, it was their food. 
and we were stealing it and giving it back to them like it was a big favor. Nobody asked any questions, because Pierce's experience as a CEO had taught him how to keep the wheels from squeaking. I had it all worked out on a schedule. You know, I've, I've never been fired. The minute before you thought about busting us, that was the minute you had chicken in your hand. Really, it's just insulting that you're eating his chicken fingers in front of me. Everyone had their hand out. Everyone wanted what we had. And Jeff had the most important job of all. He was at the top. He was the boss. He was our leader. And then, yeah, a few episodes later is the uh, the paintball one. And I think those are the episodes that really stick with me where they're big kind of set pieces and the character stuff perhaps isn't as important in community as it is in other sitcoms and there are some sort of um i don't know like the relationships didn't really stick with me like sometimes annie fancies jeff sometimes annie fancies troy like it seems sometimes britta fancies troy like it's a bit iffy i think in terms of the actual characters and their relationships with each other but when there's a really fun episode and you're watching it thinking i've never seen anything like this before i think that's when it really works yeah it is it is brilliant and it does take risks that other shows yeah. wouldn't I think and you should go back to that final season though, oh, so yeah I've never seen the final season yeah. either I've just remembered that I've I, st- I, didn't, I didn't stop deliberately I just kind of I reached a point and thought oh I'll watch the next season at some point and I just yeah. haven't yet so I will at some point yeah because it's only the first uh, sorry the last three seasons are only 13 episodes each aren't they mm. and then and obviously there's the the six seasons and a movie catchphrase and and there there's been there a lot are of talk lately of, rumors, of the movie there? perhaps because yeah. the um, russo brothers who were quite involved with the marvel films have got some pedigree haven't they with this they were involved in community mm. they did a lot of the big paintball action mm. ones um sophie you're the only one of us that's seen rick and morty is there any sort of community dna in rick and morty given that it's it's uh the creator yeah, definitely. It's very meta. It's almost what I was just saying about community, about those sort of big parody set piece episodes, but pretty much every episode is like that. Mm. So if you like those episodes of community, I think you should like Rick and Morty. Like, for example, in the later season, there was a like a heist episode that was very kind of taking apart heist movies. And pretty much every episode is like that, really. And obviously okay. a lot of sci-fi parody. Yeah, because he's he's a got a, he's someone with a really strong vision, and he was mm-hmm. forced out of the show in the fourth series, and it really sort of suffered, didn't it? Was was yeah. that to do with Chevy Chase, if I remember? Correctly? It was something to do with Chevy Chase, and I think he was just getting a bit big for his boots, and the studio said, "We want you gone for a year," and then he came back. Then they got rid of Chevy Chase when they brought him back, didn't they? So mm. it's obviously some sort I think of it, yeah. I think it was a sort of public argument where i think chevy chase has been a bit difficult on set and i think he said something quite publicly like a rap party or something and then he was the one who uh, got the sack over it i remember a nasty voicemail being left on somebody's answer machine as well that was played a lot as chevy chase has lost his mind and it's a shame because i think chevy chase is good in 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 the episodes he's (laughs) 
Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Ready Whip Whipped Cream, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Din and Danimals Drinks, Philadelphia Cream Cheese, and 7-Up to earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details. Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Frigo Crumbled Blue Cheese, Kellogg's Club Crackers, Coca-Cola, All Liquid Detergent, or Utz Chips, and earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details. It's an interesting character, and I like yeah. how they paired him with, with Troy for a bit to try and soften him around the edges, but, yeah, obviously and that doesn't work Actually, in, uh, I mean, the, the couple of episodes that I've watched this week are a couple of the older episodes with, uh, in the uh, Albed's, you know, the, the Claymation Christmas episode, he's the one who actually stays with Albed throughout. Everyone else sort of leaves him and then comes back. So he's he even though he's the curmudgeonly older figure who doesn't really understand the, the rest of the group, he's the one who almost does care for these characters, even though he doesn't seem to. They did they did one where it was like a video game as well, and mm. they did one where they were all puppets. And I think towards and the, the end, fans were tiring of gimmicks. Yeah, I, I still like. I don't think there's as many gimmicks in the final season, though. Um, and Is I, that because he came back? I guess because yeah, I think one of his criticisms of community without him was that um, it felt like it was someone trying to make what they thought community mm-hmm. was. So, yeah. like, oh, we'll have an episode where they're all puppets. We'll have an episode where they're all video game characters. Like, it yeah. was all about those gimmicks, but, yeah. and it felt a bit less natural. I think. I think... The G.I. Joe episode, though, is in season five, if I'm not mistaken, where, where he is back by that point. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't so, really like that one. I no. remember quite okay. strongly not liking that episode. <laughs> I say they did one that sort of satirized Facebook that I thought was really good. About was having, good. you have to have an amount, amount of points or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was and quite good. Sort of goes like a apocalyptic in the school. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and again, they build that world of the school, don't they? With, I mean, Jim Rash as as the dean is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But you've got those, you know, the supporting characters like Neil and and Starburns and Leonard and Vicky. Shut up, Leonard. <laughs> okay, yeah. so um, a bit of a um, counterpoint, I suppose, to um, to Community next, and it's one How we I met your mother. It's one we know, no. Um, one we one we mentioned um, a, f- a couple of weeks ago, Sophie. This was your number eleven, and it's Detectorists. Will you search through the lonely earth for me? Climb through the briar and bramble. I'll be your treasure. I'm waiting for you. So, I was reading, because of the hot, dry summer we've had, 
a lot of the earthworks and archaeological sites have started to show up as dry patches in the fields. Right. So I had a look on Google Earth, looked around the local areas, scanning the fields, see what I could see. Right. And look, Hembriston, you know those cabbage fields off the B1010? Well, look at this ring-shaped feature in the field. Okay. Iron Age roundhouse. Hmm? But wait, there's more. Move to the left. And voila, another one. But move again to the left. And here's yet another slightly larger circular feature. But this is different. This one has a some sort of entrance leading to an enclosure. A gateway, all in a line. Iron Age settlement. Iron Age settlement. Look at it, right there. Mate, you look at it. Notice anything? What? No. Do these features seem to spell anything? No. Wait, uh, G O O. Do they seem to spell Google? Fuck it. You prick. It's the Google Earth watermark. It's the Google Earth watermark. Well, I bet you've fallen for that before. Yeah, but I realised within 15 seconds and I never told anyone. This was another one slight like him and her, because this was, you know, by the time we were doing the podcast quite regularly, I believe it was 2014 was the first yeah. series of Detectorists. And we, I think we liked it, but we didn't really go back to it. But I think... It was getting quite glowing reviews. People on Twitter were hyping it up. And I remember catching up, I think, on the iPlayer or maybe on the previews just before it disappeared and, and really getting into it, getting into the story, getting into the the world, this small, very British world that, that Mackenzie Crook had created of, mm. of this niche pastime and these slightly oddball characters who spend their spare time doing you know looking for old pieces of metal and what those people are like and and in Andy and Lance you get two characters who I certainly can relate especially Andy I think you can relate to in his various endeavors and his sort of not knowing his place in the world not not being able to speak up as much as he'd like to from time to time you know having this friend who's a little bit more out there who's a little bit more in in you know in lance who's maybe says the wrong things from time to time you know he's got this obsession with linda lusardi uh which is brilliantly plays into the third series where she actually makes a cameo and I think, again, to use your phrase about warmth, I think it has that in the camaraderie between the members of the the is the Danbury Metal Detecting Club, isn't it? I think I've got that right. The name yeah. of the association with uh, Terry and Pierce and Hugh. Oh, now, I believe we have got some jewellery retrieval service news. Russ? Indeed. Uh, you'll recall how Hugh here found an interesting badge that turned out to be an identification tag from Her Majesty's Prison, Chelmsford. Well, after some research, we were able to match the uh, prisoner number to a Mr Oliver Meeker, who sadly passed away in 1993. But we also were able to trace 
his widow, who is still alive, and uh, she's living in Ipswich, and so we were able to return the badge to her. How did that work out? It was a complete surprise. She had absolutely no idea that her husband had even been to prison. She thought he'd been working away in um, Colombia for 18 months. In the hotel industry. She was very emotional. Quite tearful. Do you know why he went to prison? Yes. He'd, um... He'd, I'd rather not talk about it because it's not nice. All the story elements make sense. They frame each series around a certain artefact and a certain thing that they are trying to do, but also elements of their personal life. Um, Andy becoming a father, Lance meeting his long-lost daughter, um, Lance in the third series trying to better his relationship with Tony, I think, isn't it? Rebecca Callard's character, mm -hmm. despite yeah. the fact she lives on a boat. And uh, there's that brilliant uh, hypnotherapy episode. So I want you to imagine that you are lying on soft, warm sand on a beach. And it is a beautiful summer's day. And the sun is on your face. You've not got a care in the world or anything to do. You can just enjoy the sun all day. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I am... Um... I'm very sensitive to the sun. I, I burn very easily. I wouldn't just sunbathe. Um, is carpet the same as sand? C could I lie in my flat? Yes. Hmm. So you are lying on the carpet <sighs> in your flat. Hmm. You are very comfortable and warm, just right. And you can feel yourself sinking into the carpet sinking down through the carpet, down, down, and the carpet... No, no, the, the, the problem is... You live on the first floor? I live on the first floor, exactly. So I'm sinking down now into Mrs Morris's flat. She's going to be terrified. This is why it works best on a beach, because you can just keep on sinking. Uh, have you got a, one of those sunshades? Maybe I could sit under one of those big umbrellas. Yes, do that. Right, here we go. Back on the beach. Carry on. <coughs> Carry on, Avu. Brilliant central performances, I think, as well. The, the interesting relationship is the one between Mackenzie Cook and Rachel Sterling as Andy and Becky, who, who just seem just so comfortable in each other's company and they have such a normal relationship. It's not heightened for the screen. It's just two people and she's quite supportive of his nerdy um hobby even though she doesn't quite understand why you know he would want to spend time in the fields and i think i think that's another side of it that nobody talks about those two together and them being quite supportive of each other and even when they I have think... a baby the baby's part of it he takes the baby and the baby uh grow to to the field and is wearing him while he's detecting I, I think her character was probably a really difficult one to get right because she could mm. have come across as a very sort of nagging wife, like, oh, mm. why are you going off doing that? Why can't you be at home with me? And I think it, it they managed to get it right where she is very likable 
and you do see both sides of it because you kind of think, oh, well, if I was her, I probably would be getting a little bit irritated. And the way she's getting irritated isn't kind of frustrating for the viewer. Right. You kind of see her side of it. <laughs> Are you missing your shed? Who was it who said any man who passed the age of 30 finds himself without a shed can consider himself a failure? Titchmarsh? <laughs> I've been Titchmarsh, yeah. We're not going to be here forever. Just until we get a deposit together. And now that you're working, that's going to happen all the sooner. Hey, don't you start a new dig at work tomorrow? Yeah. New site near Colchester. They're putting up an office block and we've got to go and check out what could be some Roman walls. That could be exciting. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah? No, absolutely. A lot of archaeologists think there's a lost Roman settlement outside Colchester. There you go, then. Here's to you finding the Essex Herculaneum. Terry's got two sheds. You can have one shed. I agree with that. I was watching some of the, the the last episodes from series one where he sells his metal detector to get her back because he thinks she's having an affair with um, the, I can't remember, Amy Fionn Edwards' character, Sophie, that's it. And um wonder why you remember that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. and um, he, you know, as the grand romantic gesture, sells his metal detector, but then they decide to go back to the field again and she's actually the one who tells them where they should be digging because she's got this background. She, she's a history student or a geography student. I can't remember. Well, she, uh, she's yeah, a teacher, she's a isn't teacher. she? Yeah. Um, yeah. But she's like, you know, why are you digging there when you should be digging? Everyone's dug there already. You should be digging here. And um, yeah, no, I, I just agree. And I think all the characters and, and there's some brilliant bits with Sophie Thompson as well, isn't there? There's a scene towards the end of series she's great. two where she's talking to Lance about his relationship with his daughter and there's almost a sense of hopeless, you know, longing there that she wished she'd been a mother, I think. Um, I th- I think yeah, that's I think there's I almost... Well, I think there's also an implication that she maybe did have a daughter at one yes. point and perhaps lost mm. it or, you know, pregnancy. Mm. I think you can read it a load of different ways yeah. and there isn't even a line. It's just, like, a look on her face, really. I agree with that. I was watching some of the, the, the last episodes from series one where... He sells his metal detector to get her back because he thinks she's having an affair with um, the, I can't remember, Amy Fionn Edwards' character, Sophie, that's it. And um, wonder why you remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah. and um, he, you know, as the grand romantic gesture, sells his metal detector, but then they decide to go back to the field again. And she's actually the one who tells them where they should be digging because she's got this background she's a history student or a geography student i can't remember she's a teacher isn't she yeah Um, Yeah. but she's like you know why are you digging there when you should be digging everyone's dug there already you should be digging here and um yeah no i i just agree and i think all the characters and and there's some brilliant bits with sophie thompson as well isn't there there's a scene towards the end of series great where she's talking to Lance about his relationship with his daughter and there's almost a sense of hopeless, you know, longing there that she wished she'd been a mother, I think. 
Um, I think yeah, I think I there's almost. Well, I think there's also an implication that she maybe did have a daughter at one yes. point and perhaps lost mm. it, or a, you know, pregnancy. Mm. I think you can read it a load of different ways, yeah. and there isn't even a line. It's just like a look on her face, really. So we're going to meet your daughter at the rally, Lance. Afraid not. Oh, thought that was the idea. Didn't you buy her a detector? I think I might have mucked that up. Oh, dear. Shared her with gifts and now she's scarpered. Oh, but wasn't she the one who found you? Why would she then just run away? Probably thought I was a nutter. Rubbish. Probably came on a bit strong. But what you've got going for you now is that she's met you, Lance. And you're lovely. So she's bound to come back when she's ready. Thanks, Sheila. Mm. I'll let her decide. Never realised how often I'd thought about her over the last 20 years. I know. Imagining every day what they might be doing now. <laughs> what they would look like. Yeah. Hmm. Sadly. I know. And I think for the ones we've all discussed, you've got memorable theme tunes and memorable opening sequences. And today, you know, every time you hear Johnny Flynn's theme tune, it just make it makes me smile. It makes me feel warm inside. And just the thought of this. And I think any time I want to feel happy, I'll just watch the end of series two where um, Lance finds the gold, finds, you know, the bit where he says, can you hear horses? And then he digs and finds it. And it's just it's just a moment of pure joy. And, I, just, I you know, this is just a joyful uh, uh, program that I'm saying. Again, I hope they don't bring this back. I think it ended at the right time. Three series seemed enough the next one is one that we don't have to really discuss very much because we've talked about ad nauseum on your episodes and it's, it's mum uh... i got my ticket for the long way round two bottle whiskey for the way and i sure would like some sweet company yo i'm leaving tomorrow what do you say when I'm gone, when I'm gone, when I'm gone, you're gonna miss me when I'm gone. You're gonna miss me by my head, you're gonna miss me everywhere. You're gonna miss me when I'm gone. I know this is silly, but I can't find my glasses and I've looked everywhere. Pauline. Bloody hell. Yeah, I know she just thinks she's posh and. If David done to me what her husband did to her, do you know what? I'd be a mess too. And and I know, I shouldn't let her wind me up, but Jesus, she's a fucking twat. I mean, the things she comes out with, honestly, I, she thinks she's being subtle, but bloody hell. And I thought I'd be okay today. Because I've been preparing myself, haven't I? I've, I've, I've thought it through, I have. I've thought about it every night since he told me what was going on. And he'd be all, oh, it'll be okay, it'll be fine, you know, don't worry, because I, I don't think he actually believed he could die, did he? 
but I was preparing myself and, and I was I was googling it and I was reading up on it because I knew it would end like this I knew it would and I've been through all that with my mum and dad haven't I and the problems we had having Jason and that was horrible and I coped with that so I thought I'd be okay but honestly Michael Jesus Christ him so much. Not the Dave that we had in the hospital, but the Dave who used to make me laugh. Feels like it's been ages since I laughed. And if he'd been here today, we'd be hiding in here together and we'd be laughing about what a prat warning is. Now look at me. Oh, people keep buying me bloody flowers. What am I going to do with them? Pauline get to me and I know this is ridiculous and I know I'm being silly but the hearse is here and we need to get going and I cannot find my bloody glasses <sighs> are they in any way similar to the ones on your head thought I'd be a bit different by not having it ending the list um, I know you're going to be awkward yeah. <laughs> I do remember distinctly when this was on and watching it because it was the spring of 2016 this was mm. and yeah. it was a time actually that we had a lot of quite good telly at the same time you know the podcast we were talking about the second series of happy valley i think it was the third series of line of duty yeah. trapped yeah. was around at the time yeah. it was also sadly a time where we'd lost a lot of comedy greats like Ronnie Corbett and Victoria Wood I think passed away within yeah. weeks of each other yeah. at the start of 2016 and it was a time when I was moving into the flat that I'm in now I was moving out of a house share that Luke remembers I didn't really get on with with the uh, with my housemate there uh, and it was moving it you know on my own being on my own for the first time to an extent and I was just really wanting something nice and warm and, and mum was that show and and you just as you both said previously as we've all said you know you just love these characters you know and, and again I, I think I went on a bit of a journey with mum to the extent that you know I went to the the third series premiere and watched it all the cast were there um and obviously the creator and hearing from Leslie Manville and Peter Mullen afterwards was yeah. was a nice treat and I you know I don't I don't think there's a lot that we haven't talked about with mum but I I think it's one where they the storytelling flows and I think the first two series benefits from having that structure where it's different days throughout the year mm. a combination of the days being either you know events like bonfire night uh, valentine's day christmas new year and also characters birthdays being in the middle of the summer things people can relate to but how those characters that have been created react to it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. that's zero atm fees zero balance requirements and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early open your account with just 25 dollars and see how big zero can be Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. 
Right now at Safeway, earn four times rewards points when you shop for participating items with Safeway for you. Shop for items like Frigo Crumbled Blue Cheese, Kellogg's Club Crackers, Coca-Cola, all liquid detergent, or Utz chips, and earn four times rewards points with Safeway for you. Offer expires January 4th. Plus, get select holiday essentials like gift wraps, bags, holiday decor, lights, and more. Buy one, get one 50% off. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com or head in store for full offer details those situations and i think every character feels real and feels you know you feel like you've got that backstory you've mentioned luke you mentioned i think kelly twice and her being this ditzy character but having that relationship with her mum played by tanya franks i think i think for me i i love dorothy atkinson's performance as pauline i think you know here's this awful horrid sort of antagonist in a way to to, as an outsider but you get through the performance that she has been through this horrible experience in her marriage that pops up from time to time especially in in the third series uh when um i've forgotten his name derek tries to propose to her and you you've almost got that sense of what happened in the in the previous marriage i'll do anything i'll do anything pauline There's not a bit of me I wouldn't change to whatever version of it you want it to be. Just... Please... Don't leave me. (laughs) I've been left so many times. I'm not going to leave you. Okay. You mean just like now? You're not going to leave the room? Or you're not going to leave me forever and ever? Or... not going to leave you, Derek. Why not? Because, Derek, despite everything, you're the kindest person I've ever met, and... You're the most loyal person I've ever met. And, um, yes. I know you never hurt me. Well, of course I'll never hurt you. Why would I want to hurt you? Thank you. Pauline, thank you. Don't thank me. Sorry. That was really yummy. Did you like it? Pauline, did you think it was yummy? Can we avoid using the word yummy? Sorry, how did I describe it? Scrummy? You don't need to describe it. Sorry. Please don't ask me to marry you. No worries. It's that combination of real characters, the, the, the humour that you derive from them and that sense of pathos and those scenes, you know, that we remember, those scenes where Michael declares his love for Kathy just after his mum dies, where the scene where Jason talks about his promise that he made to his dad and why he doesn't like her getting with Michael. You know, there, there are scenes, but all of those feel very believable. So, yeah, so that's mum. I don't think we need to say anything <laughs> 
more about that. I wanted to say, Sophie, because Matt and I are sort of in this TV bubble, but do you get the sense that most people have seen Mum? Or do you think it's still a, no, a critical darling? No, not really. Yeah, definitely a critical darling rather than widely viewed. I think, weirdly, I think my parents actually started watching it before I did. And I think okay. one of the reasons why I sort of underestimated it to begin with is I think I kind of thought, oh, it's about middle-aged people. I don't mean mm. that in a kind of insulting way, but no, I know oh, it's, about, it's about a middle-aged lady. It doesn't sound like a barrel of laughs. You know, she's just lost <laughs> her husband. And then I remember, I think it was when it got, it got nominated for a few BAFTAs after series one, didn't it? And I kind of thought, oh, maybe I should give this a go. And yeah, I, I, again, yeah, I get the sense that not many people have really heard of it, unfortunately. Um, and But maybe, like, you know, my parents were watching it from the start. I think maybe more people their age might have been watching it from the beginning because it sort of appealed to them, like, more their sort of age group in the main characters. Yeah. I think my mum actually only picked up on it towards the end of the third series, but thankfully that was the time when iPlayer had the first two series as well, so they were able to Mm -hmm. go back and watch all three. And I think it is a shame that BAFTA has completely ignored it this year. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's mad, because when the nominees came out, I kind of forgot that Mum was eligible, and I was like, oh, I'm quite happy with these nominees. And then I realised that Mum had just been completely snubbed in all categories like that was insane i really can't believe that but maybe it's a time thing maybe it's the fact that it did it felt like the last series aired almost a year ago maybe people did just kind of forget a little bit about it oh well there you know we we won't know we don't know do we but the 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 woman from Frayed got a nomination and Leslie Manville didn't. I I don't get that. Yeah, I didn't get Frayed to be honest. I don't think anybody no. did. I don't think anyone <laughs> watched it. <laughs> I I actually I gave it a good chance. I think I watched three episodes and I yeah it wasn't for me. I'm not sure why because I like Sarah Kendall as a as a stand up comedian. A good question actually, as someone who loves comedy and knows that comedies take time to bed in. How how long do you normally give a comedy to work its magic on you? I think it kind of depends how much you like the people involved because, yeah, like I said, I gave Fraid a few episodes because I know that like Sarah Kendall is quite a well-respected stand-up comedian and I wanted to kind of give it a chance. Um, and, yeah, if it's something that's completely out of the blue and I don't really know anyone involved, I think I would give it less time. Like, I particular fan of um enterprise on bbc3 and i think i only gave that one episode so i think it sort of depends how much you want to give the creative team or the cast a chance really as opposed to um a blanket rule for every show yeah that's fair um so you haven't finished with mum just to be awkward yeah um and actually you've set me up nicely there sophie because this was a show that I'd watched a couple of episodes of and initially didn't go back to. But it's something... So this this year, I think we can all agree, has been a bit of a horror show. But I think TV has sort of been really good. I think when we've talked about shows I know this what year... It is. Are you sure? How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But we've had no. a lot of you know a lot of good shows we've talked about on the podcast like yeah. you know McMillions and Feel Good and Never Have I Ever, Tiger King which you enjoy more than I did, and um, during I think only a month or so ago is when I when I 
yes. binged this, but this made it onto the list because I was looking for something different. And I think this wraps around quite nicely with my first choice, Black Adder, because it's got that biting humour, the fact that the characters are trapped together. I won't put you in suspense anymore. It's what we do in the shadows is my final choice. So our roommate Leslo was knocked unconscious whilst in bed form by our neighbour, uh, Phil's girlfriend, and he's now caged and inside the animal shelter. Uh, uh, Laszlo, not Phil, our neighbour's girlfriend. Yes, we must get him out before daybreak. Well, and that's the thing with these night walkers here, isn't it? You know, a little bit of sunlight, poof, they go up in flames. I've never gone poof, but it's okay. Not yet. The vampires are always like, oh, I'm a vampire, I'm immortal, I'm whatever. Well, okay, how about you go be immortal at brunch? We're open till 11. Okay, that's great, we see that. Can, Can we come, come in? in? Yeah, come in. How's your night been, guys? It's none of your business. What do you, what? How's your night been? It's been fine. Okay, good, ours is too. Isn't this the one that you ate last week? I didn't, I wouldn't. It's locked. You guys looking for the bathroom? I need to do it too. It's right behind you, man, that door. Where are you going? You're not happy tonight, Bobby. Yeah, what's up? Oh, I brought in a bat. Okay. A little fella, you gotta see this guy. Look at his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy looks like a little English guy. Yeah, a little, little burst chap. Wait, 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 let me blow him up there. Look, you see something? No way. You see something? That is a bat's <laughs> erect penis on Last that loads. screen. Okay. We're gonna have to get him a little rabies shot. I want you to bring me the strange bat with the erection. <laughs> Can you imagine him with that little British top hat like, whoa? Mm. Like I don't think that worked. Sport. I know. Not so hot at hypnotism, huh? I'm fine at hypnotism. It's just you can't hypnotize a subject that doesn't want to do something that you want them to do. If the only time you can hypnotize someone is when you have them do something they want to do, then it's not really hypnotism, is it? Sophie, have you seen what we do in the shadows? Because I feel like nobody's talking about how good it is. Um, I'm actually watching it at this very moment. I am. Um, <laughs> I mean, not, lit not literally right now. But... That's why she keeps going quiet. <laughs> She's going quiet. <laughs> I um I, I watched um weirdly it's one that um because this is a show that I watch with my other half and whenever yeah. I watch something with him we always end up watching it at a really slow pace because he's not really into binging as much as I am yeah, so we've we're just yeah. about to finish series one and we've been watching it over several months um okay. so what one episode left of series one and then we'll get on to series two series soon I would two think. Is I don't really want Matt to spoil it if he can help it, but ser Series 2, I think, if you've enjoyed Series 1, Series 2 is a step up, in my view, and Series 1 yeah, was already perfect. Yeah, and I, um, I, and I think part of the reason for that is, and, and I would say that with a lot, I think one of the things I didn't mention with Community is, I think those characters evolved as the show went on, whereas so many times... With, with sitcoms, the characters don't evolve as much or the creators want to go back to what they feel the fans liked to begin with. Um, with this, I think it's the snappiness of the dialogue and it's almost the believability of what these vampires would be doing if they do live in modern-day New York and they're 
understanding of the culture and um you know go doing things like go and and only a very slight spoiler go doing things like going to super bowl parties we have been invited to a highly exclusive event we will be spending this sunday evening at our neighbor Sean's superb owl party vampires have huge respect for owls one they're nocturnal two they're predators and three they don't give a hoot where they dump their scat the party we're going to is celebrating the superb owl, who is the greatest owl of all time. Do you think we're going to get to touch its little beak? It depends what mood he's in. Yeah, I know it's a Super Bowl party, but I tried to correct them and they wouldn't listen. That's the owl's egg. Also, I didn't try all that hard. What what series uh, series slash season two did so well was the way that they cha well not changed but evolved the character of Guillermo a little bit more. And, mm -hmm. and gave him an extra dimension to to his character. You'll see what we mean by that when you finish series one, yeah. Yeah. Instead. And even the stuff in series one, I think, is done really well. The stuff with Beanie Feldstein is done really well. And I think for me, the turning point episode, I think, is the Vampire Council one, where yeah. you get all the cameos. You get Wesley Snipes, Tilda Swinton, Evan Rachel Woods. You know, you get all these people. And I think that continues into season two, where you've got Mark Hamill and Craig Robinson. And Haley Jermaine Clem Haley Joel Osmond, who's fantastic in that first episode. Um All right, I'm glad to hear you say that. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Bye, Bubby. It's my little side hustle. I'm a 0.5% owner in this dope new line of hard ciders. It's called Doze Apples Hard Cider. <laughs> That's clever because they're made with apples. <laughs> Apple flavoring, we have to say. Do Laszlo and Nash know about this? Uh, they don't know, can't hurt them. All right. High five. Hey, come on, dog. Don't leave me hanging. Yeah, no. I dog. Just, don't leave me hanging, dog. We're just... Dog, don't leave me hanging. I just think yeah, that... Give me a better a... one, dog. I just think oh, that... Again! High five! Oh, yeah. High five. I feel like there's a way to be cool, which you are. You're very cool. Thank you. And also respectful, you know? You need to let them know that you are worthy of being turned into a vampire someday, which is why we're here. To be honest, I don't really care about being a vampire. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah, I was very surprised that Topher does not want to be a vampire. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be a vampire? What are you doing if you don't... What, what do you want to be? I don't know. Maybe a warlock. That'd be cool. That would be cool. That's like above vampire. Alakazoom! And it would explode or something. There is that element of silliness, but there's also that element, again, of the warmth that I, I think between Laszlo and Nadia and their... The, the, archetypical sitcom couple almost to a way you know they're arguing all the time but there is that genuine love there and um i have i am at the moment like wearing the jackie daytona t-shirt that you got me for my birthday uh, <laughs> which again is a, <laughs> is a reference the webcam on. is a reference that um sophie won't get, sophie yet, won't get. and actually i did get two jackie daytona t-shirts for my birthday but thankfully they were different after all that nonsense on staten island i cut loose to pennsylvania because it sounded like transylvania and we all know that sounds cool i infiltrated the township posing as your average american yankee doodle dandy and i took over lucky brews bar and grill the previous owner he mysteriously disappeared because i killed him drinks on the house and i've not looked back since i now go by the name of detona jackie detona and i'll tell you something jackie detona's life it ain't so bad. Not bad at all.
I've been in this town a long time, and we've never really met someone like Jackie. No one here knows I'm a vampire, apart from the people I've drained and killed. But they're dead now, so that problem's pretty much solved itself. This will blow your mind. He has a really big heart. How the hell does that work? Hardly anyone cared about the volleyball team until he came around. We weren't doing real well. Uh, we were losing a lot. And uh, Jackie Daytona shows up, and suddenly balls are going where they're supposed to go. I'm pretty sure he's the X Factor. Well, I'm in disguise. I can't fly. So I've got myself one of these. Let's go, Bucks. I've truly grown to love this township. So I have rid it of some motor bicycle criminals. You better hit the bricks before I put my foot up your ass. Every year, me and the boys go on a charity run to raise money for kids. We're just on a weekend ride to raise money for Toys for Tots. And he came out of nowhere and beat the shit out of us. How about I put this toy where the moon don't shine? He's really mysterious and modest. He covered up all the mirrors in the bar. When you're Jackie Daytona, you can do whatever you want because you change lives. Jackie Daytona really inspires me. It may have sprang from necessity, but now I feel as though I may never depart. I think a comedy is good if it's one where you like it so much you want other people to watch it as well. And I think yeah. that's something on the podcast we do, Luke, is we do try and recommend shows where we feel like a lot of people won't have seen them. Like This still like... feels very underground yeah. to me. That's why I'm glad Sophie's watching it, even if it's a glacial pace. Um, because yeah. it feels like nobody's watching it, really. I think it's one of those things where you have to seek it out, because unfortunately mm. a lot of people in the UK nowadays seem to just watch Netflix. Yeah. Um, which is a shame and it's like everyone I know who has now TV is people like us like who want to watch the sort of yeah. HBO shows and things yeah. like that and similarly when something's on BBC iPlayer like um, I know you've talked about better things before yeah. like there's probably about we're probably the only three people in the UK watching better things because probably. it's just it's on iPlayer and so you have to seek it out because you've seen the reviews or something and a lot of people yeah. just aren't really in that sort of world yeah, and it's a shame because it is all on. I and I think quite a lot of these that I've talked about, you can watch now. So like you know, Father Ted, Community, Drop the Dead Donkey, they're all on all four. What we do in the shadows and Detectorists are both on the iPlayer. Okay. So there, there's quite, and I don't know if some of the other ones are on BritBox perhaps or, um, but. You know, I, I again, this is something that I have recommended to several people. I think some people were put off because of the difference in tone from the movie. A lot of people like Taika Waititi's original film, but I think this this plays on it a little bit more. And and that being a, a you know more of a mockumentary, perhaps this is still a mockumentary, isn't it? But yeah. um, I think it might almost be bigger in America than it is over here because they're doing all oh, like, they do they do yeah. Comic Con and stuff like that. And I just I find it funny how 
you know, it's this big American show and then the three leads are all sort yeah. of quite obscure British uh, comedy actors. I quite like that Kevin Novak is doing something good now. And he's I think so that... good at it. <laughs> yeah, so I think what do you mean? Suntrap was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I think it's such a shame. He hasn't really had the opportunities in the UK. And now I think it's, I feel really pleased for him that he's in this show now. And Natasha Dimitrio as well is just brilliant. Matt Berry's always hilarious. I watched the um, the orgy episode the other day where he's showing her all the different porn films he's done from different decades and she's kind of underwhelmed by how vanilla yeah. it is. Like, she wants it to be more exciting. There's a man who enjoys his work. This was banned for 60 years. No! Ooh. I'm Ooh. Time to 23 skidoo. Or should I say 69 skidoo? Let's see State College win their big game without their star quarterback. How can I ever make it up to you? Oh, yeah. Be babalooba, yeah. I'm about to launch a Sputnik. There is nothing more devastating than finding out your husband has made porn, and it's so bloody boring. So how old are you? 267. Oh, yeah. I joke. I'm 80. Have you ever been with a man before? And how would you like me to answer that, Philip? No. You'll never guess where this is going. Then the answer's no. Ah, oh, God. The only thing those videos were good for was for putting crying babies to sleep. And now, the 1990s. Could it be any sexier? Where have you been? I paged you over an hour ago. Who are these people who are always paging? And what's the deal with pagers? Shut up and get over here. Oh, yep. This is exactly what I want to be doing right now. Laszlo, darling, I just think your work, as stimulating as it is, it is not quite right for our orgy. It, it's like erotica for churchgoers. Even vampire tricked in steam room? That one didn't even make any sense. I mean, how could we see what you were doing, but you couldn't? No, 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 you misunderstood it, my darling. What happens in that is I'm sat there, surrounded, I think, by women, the steam subsides, and I realize I'm actually surrounded by chaps. But I enjoy it. When I got that bit, I just think it's boring. Boring? You think it's all boring? I should be in our bedchamber. Laszlo. No, no. She said that my pornos were boring, which is an unbelievable reaction. I showed her a century's worth of my pornos. That's a lot of porn. I don't think she followed the plots. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I think the episode where they're, they're trapped in the animal control center as well is brilliant. Yeah. Where it's just, they're just talking to each other as bats. And then he's like, I made a gentleman's agreement to free my fellow captors. And then he's just covered with, stuck. yeah, stuck to him, all these animals. Why, why did you go back? Was it because it wasn't because of me? Because often when you make your mind up about something, you, you're not going to go back. And I wanted to have someone else to talk about this with. And I knew well, I you think probably it, weren't going to want I, I, it. So. Why did you think I wouldn't like it? Well, no, you were sort of lukewarm on the first couple mm-hmm. that we talked about and then didn't... Yeah, progress. I think I wanted something to watch. You know, I was at a point where we, we'd we sort of drained the well a little bit of things and I wanted a comedy and I, 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 I know you had... You were part of the reason, Luke, that I went back oh, to it. I, I, as You know, as well as other people talking about oh, it. Okay. And I, I, I think... <laughs> I, I, I think it's just one, and I do like, as you say, the performers. I like Matt Berry. I'm, you know, I again, as I said, went to the Toast Pro, and mm. he's so different in real life. Yeah. He's larger than life characters he plays. He's very pulled out and low key, and he says when um, people meet him, they expect him either they they expect him to either want to kill them or try to have sex with them, um, but. You know, and you said you mentioned Kyvan Novak. I really liked him in Four Lions, but he hasn't had the chance to mm-hmm. play that character, another character on British TV. So yeah, it's the it's the ensemble. I don't think we've mentioned Colin Robinson either, who is a fantastic <laughs> comic creation. The the episode in, in season two, isn't it, where he gets the promotion? That's brilliant. You've got so many good episodes to come when you start series two, yeah. and there's a third one on the way. Did you toy with better things, Matt? I wondered if you might. I didn't ever have it on my honourable mentions list, but I can go on to that now. These are ones that I had at some point on my list. So at some point, The Young Ones was on there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I had already had a Ben Elton sitcom. um, And obviously, there's the focus on higher education, which sort of the community is in there. I mentioned Frasier. um, Police Squad, the Leslie Nielsen sort of thing that went on to be the naked gun i remember liking that when i was younger but watching some of that it didn't quite work as much as it did the first time round. and um, i rewatched some nurse jackie but i thought that was almost a bit too dramatic That's for this drama. list i toyed with that yeah. yeah uh flight of the concords was on there for a while mm. Um, American Vandal, Fresh Meat, This Country. Oh, uh, I forgot you... about American Vandal. That <laughs> that probably would have been one of my honourable mentions. I did go back and look at it briefly, but I think part of the joy of that is getting the gags the first time round. I'm not sure if it's a repeat value as much as some of the other ones. And then some of the ones that you've already mentioned, like uh, on Luke's list, you had the royal family, him and her getting on. Obviously, as well, we mentioned The Simpsons, and at, at its height, you know, I was obsessed by that. But by the point sort of season 11, season 12 came along, I completely lost interest. But um, So that's that's me done, but should we go back to the people? Yeah, let's go. Now, I have a confession to make. Yes. I made a promise on the last podcast oh. that I would find out the age of Palm by the Sea and I couldn't find it out in time. So I will step away and go and sit in the corner and think about what I didn't do this week. Oh, promises, promises. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll go to go back to uh, those who've 
uh, kind of got in touch with us um, at Custard TV Pod, and we'll start with Mo Walker, and these are, these are his picks. So we've got Catastrophe, My Family, Friday Night Div- Dinner, Gavin and Stacey, Rev, As Time Goes By, which <laughs> the Big Bang, well, old they are, <laughs> the Big Bang Theory, A Different World, Cheers, and the Jeffersons. Crikey, interesting. Right, did so it, was there was My Family in there? Did you say? Yes. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Mo's American as well, which is quite yeah. strange. Uh, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know how that, how well that maybe. It's not strange. He's it, American. Is it an American writer though? Am I right in that? It is. Not? It's Fred Barron. He, yeah. he did a couple. Yeah. Um, Sarah Kennedy had said uh, initially. She says, off the top of my head, spaced parks and recreation. Community, Black Books, Flight of the Concords, Red Dwarf, Friday Night Dinner, Brooklyn Nine Nine Thirty, Rock and Frasier, and then later she went. I couldn't sleep last night, so have another ten or eleven. <laughs> and then she went. Blackadder, Still Game, Porridge, The Mighty Boosh, Phone Shop, Bad Education, The Inbetweeners, Gavin and Stacey, The Royal Family, The IT Crowd, and Mongrels. That's a solid list. I'm pleased to see mongrels on there. I used yeah, to love I, mongrels. Um, we've got Stee, who's at Slough Nan, um, who's got <laughs> everybody loves everybody loves Raymond, Steptoe and Son, Dad's Army, Rising Damp, Only Fools and Horses, Forty Towers, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Seinfeld, The Larry Sanders Show, and Thirty Rock. Um, Daryl Miller has Help, Community, Red Dwarf, Grass, Arrested Development, The Royal Family, Spaced. Trevor's World of Sport, My Life in Film, and Everybody Hates Chris. There's some obscure ones there. Wow. Um, Zwicky Sky has said My Starter for 10, uh, W1A slash 2012, Derry Girls, Friends, Modern Family, Father Ted, Blackadder, Op, Stark Crow, Frasier, To the Manor Born, uh, Big Bang Theory. Red Dwarf has come up quite a few times, and this is one that I kind of toyed with because... Well, I have quite a strange relationship with Red Dwarf because I absolutely loved it when I was a teenager. Like, I was obsessed with it. I've currently got some, like, Red Dwarf bobbleheads sitting on my desk in front of me. And I've got a Mr. Flibble puppet as well. But I revisited it more recently. Um, Actually, I revisited for writing purposes. Like, I wrote about each series as I revisited it. And I just feel like it's... I feel differently about it now. It's I feel like it's a capsule, very it? inconsistent show. Mm. There are certain episodes that I still watch. Like, for example, I think Marooned is still mm. a brilliant half hour of TV. And I think that might actually be to do with the fact that it's all about the two characters. Because I think the character stuff in Red Dwarf is really strong. But often they have these kind of gimmicky episodes and you think, is that really the best you could come up with with the premise of you're in space and you could do anything mm. but like, i don't know i feel like they kind of squandered the premise of the show a little bit um yeah i think the cast and the characters are great but i there are episodes where i just think really like did this, did you spend much time thinking of that <laughs> if that makes sense yeah, yeah I know what definitely you mean. And, and also, I, found I, tried, my, I... I tried showing it to my other half as well, and he didn't get it at all. And usually, we have quite a similar sense of humour, but he was watching it like, well, "Why do people like this so much?" Yeah, Gary was a massive fan, wasn't he? Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I found Michael's list, and he says, "In no order, as my brain would hurt." Spaced again, mongrels. 
Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, Peep Show Community, Father Ted, I'm Alan Partridge, Only Fools and Horses, The League of Gentlemen, and Black Books, which was another one that I considered, but because I already had a Grey and Linehan show on there. Um, Black Books is one that I do remember watching again the DVDs of quite regularly, but um, didn't ultimately make it onto my list. I also, um, Peter Bowker, who um, is a, you know, one of one of our favorites isn't he some of his dramas we've really enjoyed mm-hmm. um he said that um he says like the thi- so he said initially the thing is these lists are a bit like the two approaches to desert island discs do you try and show off your taste or choose shows that you feel emotionally connected to because of the context to which you saw them and i think all three of us have gone back to sort of the context really haven't yeah. we Um, without trying to show off too much. Um, So he said then that Malcolm in the Middle and and Modern Family marked his kids' teenage years and whatever happened to the likely lads of porridge, my own teenage years with my dad. I didn't know you asked, but none of them are duds, are they? And then I went back and said, no, they're not. And he then said, Malcolm in the Middle was a box set I hastened to add. My kids are only 19 and 22 now. Oh, wow. um, I think that's nice though that he remembers those too because he watched them with his father. Mm. That's, that's yeah. important. So yeah. Uh, finally, I have done a, a combined list of everything everyone said. So we've got a top eleven because there was a lot of a lot of ties. So are you are you Is ready that for this? Including us as well, or just it's not including us? No, unfortunately okay. not. I should have I'm done that. I'm less interested if it doesn't include my views. <laughs> okay, I mean I could quickly do it, but I'm not going to because. No, um, okay. uh, so in joint eleventh place, uh, these got five votes each. So we had Spaced and and the Royal Family. Spaced isn't a show we've mentioned. I mean, has anyone got any strong views on that? I love it. I never got... It's one I never got. There's a lot of references to worlds that I'm not really a part of, like sci-fi stuff that I just went over my head. So, yeah, it's not one for me. Yeah, I like Spaced, but I I didn't watch it when it was originally on because I was a bit young. And then watching it when you're slightly older, I think you... I think you identify more with those characters if you were their age at that particular mm-hmm. time. I do really like it, and I, I haven't watched it in a while, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I think it's very specific to people who were those characters' ages at that time, I think. Um, so then we're in joint ninth with six votes each. We've got oh, two. Was... Okay, so there isn't a tenth. No, because yeah, we had a joint 11th. Yeah, there was two there. Yeah. Joint, so joint 9th with six votes each. We've got two from my list, Community and Father Ted, um, alongside Forty Towers, which is another one none of us mentioned. Sophie was a bit young. <laughs> I think we were all a bit young, but it's something, again, that was repeated quite a lot. Yeah, yeah very um, much a classic, but not yeah. one that I revisit over and no, over again. Um, and I always preferred Monty Python, to be honest. So then in joint six, these have got seven votes each. And again, none of us mentioned either of these in our lists. Um, uh, Luke, you had as an honorary mention porridge, and, and that's tied with Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, yeah I, Luke, I thought you might have had Gavin and Stacey on yours, I potentially. Toyed I toyed with it. I think, you know, it's a really solid show, and then bringing it back proved how loved it was. But I didn't have a personal connection to it other than enjoying it, you know, at the time. And it's not one I revisit an awful lot. But I do think the world is very true to life and it feels very true to those writers as well. Like they knew what they were doing. But yeah, 
I did toy with it, but I'm glad other people love it so much. And it, like you said, though, it annoys me when people think of Julia Davis, they think of Dawn, <laughs> the next door neighbour, because she's so much more than that character. Yeah. So in fourth place, I, I think we've talked about all of these now. So in fourth place with eight votes is The Office. Mm-hmm. Um, in joint, I suppose, joint third slash joint second with nine votes each. Um, it's one of mine and one of yours, Luke. It's Only Fools and Horses and Blackadder. Um, mm-hmm. And and top, I suppose, if we'd included us, it would they would all be joint top because the top one with 10 votes, which no one mentioned, but we did talk about last week, is Friends. Mm-hmm. I've... I've got. I think Friends is problematic because it just it feels like that show never ends. Nobody ever stops talking about it. There's always news articles about it coming back and going. And yeah, it goes through and... different phases, doesn't it? Because when I was in high school, it was on E4, and I think they used to show it was on every night, and they'd show two episodes, mm. and then they'd have something else on, and then they'd show the same two episodes later in the evening. I know people who used to watch them twice in one night. <laughs> Like, it was such... I didn't, but, like, yeah, and now it's on Netflix, so that seems to be another but phase. I, I think I can't objectively look at it as, is it a good show? Is it a good comedy? Or is it just brilliant performers and fondly remembered because of how well, everybody was watching it? I, I think the first few seasons are... I think the first four seasons are really good, but then it's like anything that becomes massive it almost plays into the hype a little bit and as i talked about last week i think the last three seasons when they were going to finish it and then they came back for all the money and they were going to finish it and they came back again it just loses it because they have to create ways for them not to end the show and yeah i listened to um i listened to a really good podcast called friends with friends which i recommend and they like Mm. go through a friends episode in kind of forensic detail and even though it's a fan podcast and they really love the show in every episode they do pick up on well that's inconsistent because that's a plot hole because so i think Mm. there is an argument that friends is a very fun show but it's not really as clever as something like, for example, Frasier. Like, in every episode of Friends, it's like, why did that character say that when a few episodes ago they said this? And But you just have to kind of let go of that, I guess, and just sort of enjoy it for it being quite a fun show. And like you I said, the cast are all brilliant. My problem with it was I never bought the Ross and Rachel thing and they yeah. dragged that out and eked that out right until it Ross was the is a terrible most person. important thing on the final. Yeah, they just... The finale was, did she get on the plane to go to Paris? I got off the plane. I honestly, by then, they hadn't been together for, what, you know, eight years nearly, and they were still obsessing about... It was like the creators couldn't move Mm. away. Well, it's the fan service, isn't it? That's what I was talking about. It's like everyone wanted Ross and Rachel to be together at the end. That's what they felt anyway. That was... because you could feel that every time so the end no, of no. eight is them having emma together the end of not well part way through nine they're living together and then mm. oh we've got to drag another series out she's moving back in with joey and then she's fallen in, fell in love with joey now and you know everything in those last three series. there's still some good gags but everything in those last couple of series you know it, the character stuff just feels dragged out yeah, you can imagine they maybe wouldn't still be together at this point in time because they were just so different. And I think Ross, I'm not a fan of Ross as a person. He's a very funny character, but as 
as a match with Rachel, he always seemed quite sort of patronising towards mm. her. Mm. And I think a lot of the dynamics now are a little bit kind of sexist and the attitudes towards women mm. and also the show did come under a lot of criticism even at the time for being incredibly white there's yeah. like sort of one black character in the whole show and even when friends was on that was controversial it wasn't like mm. oh it was fine at the time and it's like aisha like tyler, aisha tyler it? comes yeah. in this is new yeah partner and you yeah just feel like you know you know that's a, a reply to that but it doesn't feel true at all it just feels like She's there as tokenism, and that never sat well with me either. But it is one that people never stop talking about. There's even story today about how the reunion, which we were going to do for the HBO streaming, which is basically in the old days would have been a DVD extra, about yeah, talking about the show, is being delayed, and they're still trying to wait, find ways around it. I don't know what else that cast could possibly have to say about that show that they haven't said I think it's just time. the nos it plays into the nostalgia people have for it and i think people as you say there's constantly articles about it because people know that people are going to click on those articles because it's a universal thing isn't it i mean i watched most of it the first time round. i think i got into it maybe around season three and watched the first two seasons um rented from they would have been on vhs at the time uh, from the video shop so i i'd <laughs> caught up on it and sorry go on these people that want it back in like a brand new episode, that is just d- doomed to fail. Yeah. That would be awful, wouldn't it? Well, awful. as as you talked about as well, Sophie, that Frasier as well, they're talking about bringing back, aren't they? And, and yeah, the I think I think people just don't really know what they want because it can work. <laughs> like we saw with Gavin and Stacey, for years people were like, oh, bring it back, bring it back. And they did bring it back and it was good. But maybe that mm. was because they had so much time away and the two of them you know have always been very good writers and they probably enjoyed getting back together for that but i feel like as soon as gavin and stacy finished everyone was like i remember seeing a petition where people were like bring it back and it's like that's not how tv works guys you can't like petition a show to come back i've seen it recently with nighty night as well someone made a fake trailer for an imaginary series three of Nighty Night, oh. and people were going mental about it. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, and the trailer, the fake trailer, you from Sally Forever. So clearly, ah. everyone who fell for it has not seen Sally Forever. And it's like, if you love mm. like Nighty Night so much, just watch Sally Forever, guys. <laughs> like you clearly yeah, watch the seen other it. things she's done. Yeah. yeah, and I think the difference there between Gavin and Stacey and you know Friends, Frasier, The Office is. There was what nineteen episodes of Gavin and Stacey, and there's two hundred odd episodes yeah. of of each of those. So they haven't, you know, they ended on a high a little bit, didn't they? They ended at the right time. So when you're bringing it back, you haven't got the complications of you've done a lot of stuff that hasn't been as good. I think you know the quality of Gavin and Stacey for the most part was was on a par throughout the three series that they did originally so i mean how old would somebody like emma be for example that was 2004 so yeah i think like the whole point of friends is that they were quite young and it kind they kind of ended it at a point where they were you know moving out having children getting married so to see them now as middle-aged people i think it might just make the rest of us feel really old the actress didn't she just turn was it would it been 16 because there was that tweet where she said something to matthew perry like i'm still enjoying my nap and it was one of those things like that was a reference wasn't it where she said 
Emma, this is for your 16th birthday. You still enjoying your nap? Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. They, so, that yeah, that, that would have been weird to see them as parents. I don't think people would like it. I know they like the idea of it, mm. but to see Ross and Rachel parenting the 16-year-old... Actually, she'd be 18, wouldn't she? The twins would be 16 now that they adopted, because they ended in 2004. She was born in 2003, 2002, so... Ben's in Riverdale, so... One of the Ben's. One of the Ben's. Well, if you've spent the last three hours with us, we appreciate (laughs) it. Thank you so much, and thank you. Big thank you to Sophie, who's not only just spent the last three hours with us, but the last three weekends recording these. It means a lot. Thank you very much uh, for humouring us both in just listening to our views but also with your comedy choices where can people find you we say this every week but it bears repeating where can people find you if uh, if they want to seek more of you out so on twitter i'm at it's sophie davis with ies at the end um and i have two podcasts which you can find if you go to my twitter yeah and i've spent the past seven days listening to very catchy songs from my, my crazy ex-girlfriend uh, when I was <laughs> Sophie's together. They're, they're some really well-constructed songs that I've, mm-hmm. I've listened to the first penis I've saw. It's too times. catchy, they're, isn't that it? That is ridiculously catchy and I had to stop myself singing it around my niece earlier because that <laughs> wouldn't have been appropriate. But it's a very catchy song. Matt? What about you, Matt? Matt's TV bites still. I haven't. I haven't got any other podcasts, but yes, I am no. still Matt's TV bites. No. <laughs> and I'm at Luke Custard TV. Thank you to everyone who's uh, got in touch with their lists as well. It means a lot that you play along with us here. Thank you. We'll be back with the regular podcast mm. uh, when TV <laughs> is good. We'll be back with something, something, won't we? With a thing. We've we'll got some ideas. Yeah. Um. So thank you. Bye. Comedy is subjective, but these are our favourites. Desert Island Comedies. From the team at thecustardtv.com. Follow at the Custard TV Pod for more podcast content. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savour our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal.